Welcome to Phone Booth Fighting, everybody. This episode brought to you by Low T Nation. LowTNation.com. Turning 40-somethings and 50-somethings and 60-something males into 20-somethings and 30-somethings. Frank, turning back the clock. Uh, Brandon over there at uh, Low T Nation, Brandon Addison and Dr. Weeks have shown us now photographic evidence of our phone booth fighting listeners living that example. Explain to everybody who is still uninitiated exactly how that works. Well, if you're feeling a little down, a little energy, and some of the symptoms that you know that, that are generally understood to mean an indication that maybe you're having your hormones are a little off. Uh, a quick phone call. They'll give you a consultation over the phone, not to waste any more of your time, to see if you're even a candidate. And if you are, if you pass some of the uh, the checks that mean that you might be having some issues that could be solved, they'll uh, take care of it and send you down to get your blood work done. And that's about the most effort on your part it's going to be. After you have your blood work done, they sit in front of a panel of uh, physicians and doctors that look at it, realize whatever you need to bring you back up to quality of life. And at that point, they ship it directly to your door every month to make sure that you're staying consistent and uh, uh, have no issues, and it's extremely convenient. Check out LowTNation.com. The telephone consultation is absolutely free. They're based in Atlanta, Georgia, but it doesn't matter wherever you are in the United States. They're going to find a lab that is near you. There's some preliminary testing done, and if you are a candidate for their treatment, that is the last time you're going to have to leave your house to get it. From there, uh, all products are shipped to your doorstep, and you start feeling the results from there. Take it from other phone booth fighting listeners just like yourselves who have gotten on board with Low T Nation. Log on to LowTNation.com and tell them that Frank Mir and Richard Hunter sent you. Frank, let's get this episode of Phone Booth Fighting underway from the Bent Pixel Studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. Bent Pixels for all of your YouTube administration needs. And uh, they are the guys who handle our uh, Phone Booth Fighting YouTube channel and make that profitable for us and allow us to keep doing this the way that we do it and uh, to also expand the way that we do it for 2018 and hopefully provide a uh, more broad-based and uh, professional presentation, as it were. And while Stately Mirror Manor is undergoing some renovations, well, the timing worked out just perfectly for us to uh, take our residency here in the Bent Pixels studio. Uh, same place, by the way, where our friends Forrest Griffin and TJ Lavin of the Anything Goes podcast do uh, do their show. So if you recognize the studio, well, the logo on the screen looks different, but everything else looks similar. Well, there's a reason for that. We actually, uh, it's like a podcast timeshare. We share uh, some space with them. So thanks to those guys for uh, uh, <coughs> letting us room with them. All right, Frank, uh, we are just back from Bisbee, Arizona. We have tales of Bisbee, Arizona, because we had, we knew we were going to have a good time going down and doing the SWAT cast with uh, Doug Stanhope and his podcast. That's going to be released in the next week or two. You guys do not want to miss that uh, epic episode. But I don't think either one of us, I'd never been to Bisbee before. No. You had never been. I wasn't even spelling it correctly at first. Oh, yeah? I went to Google it, and for this whole time, yeah. I thought it was Bigsbee. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, oh, shit, I can't find this place. And then I went back and I had, so, you know, used yeah. the whole Google search. It's like, oh, it's Bisbee. You, right. you almost went to the wrong place. Yeah. Uh, I don't think either one of us were prepared for how great of a time we were going to have down there. 
No. Well, and what I was expecting when we first got off the plane and you picked us up. And, I mean, Tucson, I've been to Tucson. Yeah. But some of the smaller towns on the way out there, we were passing through Tombstone. And that's what I thought Bisbee was going to look like. And as soon as we turned the corner, it was night. And I was like, holy shit, look at the Like, it was a whole it was super interesting just uh, uh, town. Built in the you know side of the mountains and stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, 1880, I think was the year that they launched. Yeah, it was uh, old mining town. Yeah, and then when the miners left, uh, all those uh, all the artists. That's right. We've got some photos to show you. Uh, we'll we'll get into all that here in just uh, a little bit because we do have some fun tales to tell. First off, Frank, though, we got to talk fights. UFC 221 went down Saturday night. Yoel Romero KO'd Luke Rockhold in the main event in the third round. Uh, after he lost the first two rounds, uh, before he was able to close the distance. Now, the the story going into this fight was uh, a little convoluted. Did they have, everybody had him losing the first two? I thought... I did. I mean, it. It. I can't say that somebody wouldn't have... Get, and, you know, I didn't see the judges' scorecards to see what they did on the first two rounds. If somebody wanted to make the case that... that I, I thought I had it one-to-one. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying you couldn't make the case that Romero would have won one of those. I thought that uh, for... for my card, I thought Rockholt had both of them, but uh, the the lead up to this fight was a little convoluted. So this was originally supposed to be Luke Rockholt taking on Robert Whitaker for the UFC's middleweight title, which Whitaker holds. Whitaker got injured. In steps uh, uh, Yoel Romero, who most recently lost a unanimous decision to. Robert Whitaker. So he gets another shot at it, this time for an interim middleweight title. But hold on, he misses weight at the weigh-ins, which means that Romero could not qualify to win the interim title. Only Rockhold could win that interim title. And because Romero knocks out Rockhold, now Robert Whitaker is the full-fledged UFC middleweight champion. And uh, he will defend against uh, the next opponent after he is healthy again. Well, let's talk about the fight. Uh, the th- first two rounds, Rockholt had some success with his kicks, keeping Romero at a distance. And that's what we talked about going into the fight, that, that Romero's uh, key to success was going to be to try to close that uh, uh, distance and have one of those uh, you know explosions that he has in 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 uh, uh, when he's sort of going like half speed and then all of a sudden he just explodes at you. He dropped Rockhold with uh, a left and it was one of those knockouts. I've seen this a couple of times in in fights, Frank, where somebody is stunned with the first punch and in Rockhold goes straight down to his butt. And you can tell these days because he's kind of looking away and he's just like a sitting duck for that next punch. And sometimes a referee can stop it if he sees it clearly. But sometimes, boy, you just eat that free shot and that's what happened to Rockhold. Yeah, and uh, it was funny. Just before that punch landed, I remember thinking, okay, Rockhold's so long and, and, and using his distance well. I was like, wow, over his lead shoulder is a big hole. Mm-hmm. Just kind of the way he keeps his lead hand the way his shoulders are and the fact that he has a thin neck to begin with and he's tall uh and he doesn't really lower his chin at all he doesn't like look through his eyebrows where you see someone like john jones has a similar i mean not similar physique but similar kind of numbers where okay a long rangy fighter but if you see john when he fights his chin's tilted forward and he knows how to lift his lead shoulder up to kind of hide 
the uh, hole there where you just seen kind of the way uh, Luke throws punches. His head was so neutral. And I remember I was with Jen and we're watching the fight. I'm like, hey, you know, over his lead side's a big. And then all of a sudden, boom. I guess Romero obviously saw it too. The shot came and it just hit him right in the temple and, and turned him. And you see he couldn't even get his hands down. His hands didn't really connect. He was pretty much out at that point, but not unconscious, but just obviously, you're, as you stated, you know, on a, you know, it, the bell was wrong. <laughs> and when he, he tried to turn to maybe defend himself, or, you know, keep some action going, uh, you know, Romero landed one more shot that completely just, you know, comatosed him. Yeah, and uh, that was the end. I know Romero was being nice afterwards, but I remember sitting there going, how annoyed is Luke right now? Yeah. Or, uh, you know, Rockhold. You know, he was sitting there with his, with, with, his, with his hands on the thing, just got knocked out. You know, he's a very confident guy. Mm-hmm. You know, and just got put to sleep. Highlight real knockout that's going to be seen thousands of times. And, and the guy that just did it, you stand there. And, and I realized that, you know, Yo's probably trying to give, you know, you know, encouragement or whatever. He's not exactly talking trash. But at a certain point, I wish some athletes would just realize, like, hey, man, I just got my ass kicked. Get yeah. out of my face, man. He like, doesn't want to make out with me right now. Yeah, I'm like, you know, we'll be friends later. Yeah. Give me a little bit of the soap yeah. on this. You Yoel know? gave him a couple of kisses on the cheek, and he was saying, I love you. I love you. <laughs> it reminded me of uh, his, his most famous quote, of course, yeah. which is, Hey, USA, what happened to you? Yeah. Remember that one? I do. Yeah. Um, I well, was like, oof. Yeah. Well, <laughs> okay. Go over well? <laughs> now, Joel Romero um, got his he – was, he was financially penalized for missing weight in addition to however that affected the purses. I noticed even his Reebok money was downgraded. Uh, they took some sort of penalty out of that for missing weight. I guess because he couldn't technically fight in a title fight or win a title fight if he uh, uh, win a title in that fight, uh, as as obviously he didn't. Um, so now the the question is, but but in in Romero's defense, one, not a guy who's known for missing weight. Not his first time, right? and yeah, and two, a short camp because uh, he you know was a replacement yeah. opponent. So no, um, I mean as far as missing weights. I don't think – I mean, no one should – those factors of being a late replacement and a guy who's never done it before, it's yeah. like, all right, I, I, you completely get a pass on this one. Yeah. He was punished for it. It sucks. You know, you know he, he dealt with the, you know, the, the, the repercussions of it happening, but it's complete – I mean, the guy wrestled his whole Olympic career. I was trying to look through afterwards. Like, I don't think there was ever a statement of ever missing weight on mm-hmm. any occasions. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Now, we talk about what's next for Yoel Romero. Does he get a title shot against Robert Whitaker? He went into that fight ranked number two. Rock Holt was ranked number one. He just beat the number one contender. Do you immediately put him in against uh, Luke Rockholt? Another possibility is a rematch against Chris Weidman because if you remember, Chris Weidman was doing pretty well against yeah. uh, Yoel Romero until Romero knocked him out with a knee. So I know Weidman certainly, I don't have to ask him uh, which side of this he comes down on. But does Romero need to take on Weidman, or do we, assuming Whitaker can get healthy, you know, sooner rather than later, do you immediately put Romero in for a title shot against Whitaker? Well, I think what you're saying right there is the most important factor making that decision. If Whitaker is able to go ahead and fight in the next three months to four months, I think that that's the fight you make because mm-hmm. I think that uh, uh, decisively knocking out Rockwell like that puts 
Rui Yoel at the number one contender spot. I don't think there's any argument that he's not the number one guy, even though he's lost a decision to the current champ. But, mm-hmm. you know, he was winning, I thought, the first two rounds in that fight and just eventually started getting fatigued on the output. So uh, I think it's an interesting fight if they fight again. Uh, I've always thought that Romero has a hard time with fighting guys that are busy if he doesn't catch them. And, uh, uh, you know, a Weidman style that can be busy and throw hands is a good wrestler. Uh, uh, and then, you know, Whitaker being able to survive um, – I think that actually Weidman's a more dangerous fight for him because Weidman actually showed in that fight not only able to hit him and be busy, but to put him on the ground. And even yeah. though he caught him with a flying knee, um, I think that that was impressive that Weidman took him down. I'm like, wow, that just shows you that all the skill sets you can have outside you know, wrestling, jiu-jitsu, boxing, the minute you step in MMA, it becomes its own version of it you know just because mm-hmm. you're the olympic silver medalist doesn't necessarily mean that completely translates over that you're going to always be the better wrestler um you know and whitaker i don't think is capable of really with the same takedown ability over yoel he just survived long enough and and, and through scrambles was able to get on top positions and stuff uh but yoel showed a, a different element i thought in the in the rockwell uh, rockwell fight where he didn't necessarily have to go. He was okay. I think he understands now the kind of athlete he is, that he's an explosive, high-octane fighter and not somebody who can consistently fight. And the only and the interesting part about that is he can choose when to fight. He's athletic and quick enough. He doesn't have to engage you. Mm-hmm. He can sit back and, and, and regroup because you really can't impose your will on him because – if he's ready, he's going to out-wrestle most guys. I mean, Weidman took him down, I think, because he was frustrated with the striking. I think if he sat there with the mindset he kind of has now, um, going, I'm just not going to get taken down. I'm going to check kicks, move my head. I'm not going till I'm ready to go, but when I do go, it's going to count. That's why I thought his strikes were even more dangerous than and Rock, Rockhold's, even though you know, Rockhold threw more in the first round. I thought, I mean, when he, Rockhold kicked him, it was like, eh, when he kicked Rockhold in the leg, I mean, Rockhold looked like he was about to go ahead and slip to his hips, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it completely, you know, almost spun him around. And so uh, if Yoel can continue to utilize his skill set, I think he's extremely scary for everybody in the middleweight division. My only part on him was that he'll never be a guy who could fight hard the whole time. He's just not built for it. But now he realizes that, I think, himself and isn't upset about it. It's like Maybe his coaches, too. It's like, look – you can't throw 30 punches a fight around. Yeah. Just, you can't. Yoel Romero is not capable of doing that over a five-round fight. If he does that, and I see that happen, I'm like, well, you better knock the guy out because you're going to die. You're not that kind of athlete. But he is the kind of athlete that can throw 10 punches around, and all 10 of those punches are going to scare the living shit out of you. Mm-hmm. Co-main event uh, was a heavyweight affair between Curtis Razor Blades and your most recent opponent, Frank, Mark Hunt, uh, Blades Decisions, Hunt, 30-26 on two of the scorecards and 29-27 on the third card. Uh, After surviving some bombs in the first round, I mean, Mark Hunt did what Mark Hunt does, which is hit his opponent real hard, and Blades got hit uh, pretty hard a couple of times and showed that uh, he could – I mean, he was wobbly as hell for a second, but he showed uh, he could survive it. Then uh, Blades Wrestling took over. He took Hunt down 
a total of 10 times in this fight, which tied Jake O'Brien for the most takedowns in a three-round heavyweight fight in UFC history. Uh, and you know what? I'll, I'll say this right now about Curtis Blades. Um, I think I probably need to be paying more attention to him than I have. Uh, me too. Yeah. I think before this fight, I kind of – I think even when we said we were doing the breakdown, I asked you to help me. I'm like, yeah, I don't know shit about this guy. Yeah. I looked at it, saw that he was a real high-level wrestler in the collegiate level. I was like, all right, well, you know, that might do him well in here. Uh, I thought he did a great job in the fight. Um I honestly want to see him rematch Francis Ngannou now. Yeah. I think that the UFC is going to probably try to avoid that fight because Francis has – he's a very entertaining fighter. But I know that Francis is his only loss prior – uh, you know, uh, so far ever in, in, uh, in Blade's career. But if those two fight again right now, yeah. from what I've seen of Ngannou's last fight and what I just saw of Blades, yeah. I'm voting on Curtis Blades. And I'd be kind of interested because with his wrestling, I think actually – the stylistically um, showed that he could take a good punch. He's a long striker. I would be interested to see him fight uh, Stipe. Yeah. I mean, I still would go with Stipe at this point. But, right. Um, I think out of all the heavyweights, I think he might actually be one of the the most uh, dangerous. Well, he certainly uh, – thanks there, uh, Mikey. He certainly got the, the, the wrestling pedigree. Uh, now, before he – you know, starts thinking about Stipe, um, you know, Stipe's got some other tools in the bag that, that he, he can bring, like you said. But, um, yeah, I mean, maybe uh, Nganu again. There's also uh, a heavyweight fight coming up uh, this weekend between uh, Marcin Tibera and Derek Lewis. Oh, yeah. And those are a couple of guys ranked, I think they're right around six and seven right now or something like that. Yeah, more conservative step. Yeah, so uh, that might be an option as well. You know, a lot of times, maybe the winner of that fight, because a lot of times, uh, you know, the UFC matchmaking goes winner against winner, and if those two guys happen to be fighting within a couple of weeks of each other, it kind of keeps them on that yeah. trajectory. It Maybe just in the sense that, you know, I, I, I don't think we're the only people who haven't had Curtis Blades top of mind in terms of fight fans, yeah. so he may need a little more, no, I'm, I'm, you know. I'm going to be honest with you. When you first said, "Oh, Curtis Blades yeah. walked by the show," I had no idea who you were talking. Yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. And now I've seen him. Like, wow, that guy's a really good fighter. Yeah, he has good athletic attributes. You can tell he trains hard. He's resilient. Uh, yeah, you know. And I doubt the UFC's in a matchup and got against him anytime soon. Yeah, because I think that's a bad fight for him. In fact, actually, if right now, you know, speaking on Mark Hunt's part, I think that a Mark Hunt Francis and Gano fight would be extremely entertaining. That would be entertaining, and that would be a loser. And when I say loser, I mean you know they yeah, they each lost. lost their most recent fights. That uh, that could make a lot of sense. Actually, yeah, I like that the idea. Two hardest hitters in the heavyweight division. Yeah, neither one of them has anything else to their game. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Like they're, I mean, you know, Ingano makes tries to be hard to take down. Uh, you know, both use their uh, you know ground skills is more based on explosion. Like that's one thing I was watching about Mark Hunt. I don't think I ever realized before. Like I'm watching and going. Wow, uh, his athletic ability, because he really actually mm -hmm. does have a very acute 
and, and astounding athletic ability of being explosive. That's how he's able to get off the ground, and he'll stop shots. But the minute fatigue starts to set in, you can see that his technique is completely based off of the type of athlete he is. Yeah. He's able just to explode out of stuff that once that was expired, um, he got ragdolled, thrown around. It was like, all right, well, and then getting up and moving. You know, he's tough and explosive, but a guy who is just, you know, he's very good, one of the best in the world at what he does, and then just never has ever taken the time to develop any other aspects to his game. I mean, he doesn't even – I think he's actually dropped tools that he used to have. He doesn't even really throw kicks anymore. Uh, I don't think he throws knees. I mean, when he was in a clinch with uh, Alistair, Alistair throws knees, and I, I don't remember even seeing, you know, uh, Hunt trying to return a knee to the quad or anywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, and then as far as changing levels to take a shot, to take you down and try to do anything, I mean, I mean, you would imagine Mark Hunt on top of him. I don't know why he's never had a coach say, hey, you hit really hard. If you ended up in a ground-and-pound position, you might be a nightmare for most people. You have short arms, you're thick, you're not going to be very easy to submit or spin on an arm. You could go ahead and, and knock them into the next uh, time zone here. Mm -hmm. And just he does it. It's the right hand, being patient, using the left hook and jab to set up the right hand. And, and that's, you know, and I think now it's just, you know, he's always going to be entertaining, capable of catching anybody and knocking them out. But I think that's the reason why you're never going to see him win a title to be consistent in three or four or five fights around. Like that's why Stipe is one of the greatest champions of all time now because he has an A game, a B game, a C game, a D game. Like He can go to different elements and different realms. To and You might stop A on him, and then all of a sudden, boop, he switches over to B, and it's like, all right, well, here's here's now this aspect. I mean, you saw it against Dallas Overham. He got caught in the stand-up aspect of it. All of a sudden, reverses a guillotine, gets on top, and then his ground and pound knocks him out. Mm -hmm. You've seen in the fight with, with Hunt through combinations, gets the takedowns, drags it out in that realm. You know, And then you also see that he does capable of knocking guys out JDS, he knocked out in you know under two minutes. Uh, Andre Loss, he knocks out in about a minute. So I mean, he just has multiple ways of winning. Well, you know, you said you were going to be uh, keeping a closer eye on uh, Curtis Blades. Now, you might be seeing more of him than you thought because he's got one more fight on his contract, and he told MMA Junkie that if the UFC doesn't pay him big. He's interested in Bellator. Oh, wow. And this is an interesting time for this because you're talking about a guy who just beat a number five in Hunt. Yeah. So, I mean, one more top five win, and he's you're talking title shot, you know, or, or at least being a top three contender. Uh, and, and he's talking about Bellator. Here was his quote to uh, MMA Junkie. He said, um, if the UFC allows me to get to that fourth fight, meaning the last fight on his deal, without a decent offer, I'll listen to Bellator. They've been offering guys fat, fat contracts, and those heavyweights aren't nearly as good as the ones in the UFC, so the enticement is there. Lesser competition for more money. Frank, react to what he said about the heavyweights not being as good while I try to decide if enticement is a real word. Well, I think that there's a couple heavyweights you might have a hard time with over in Bellator. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do agree with him that, you know, money-wise, uh, he could be looking at a great advantage. And that's one great thing now about the fact that there's other organizations besides the UFC. Um, you know, if, if he had said that four or five years ago, uh, UFC would laugh and cut him and go, where are you going to go? And now with Bellator and, you know, Scott Coker and, you know, being part of Paramount, uh, 
they can go ahead and offer him a substantial amount of money to bring him over. And, uh, you know, we'll see how he does there. But um, at least now he has options. So he can go back to the UFC and go, if you let me go, you're letting go one of the top prospects in your sport, you know, in your division, and now I can jump over to it and give even more legitimacy to the, the Bellator heavyweight division. Enticement's a real word. It's the noun form of entice. I have only ever used the words entice or enticing. I don't think I've ever put it in a noun form, enticement. Nope. Derek Razor Blades, you continue to amaze me, sir. You continue to impress, both in the octagon and uh, outside the octagon verbally. So uh, tip of the cap to you, sir. All right, uh, rounding out the main card, uh, Tai Tuivasa, who is an undefeated uh, heavyweight from Australia. KO Cyril Asker in the first round. He progresses to 9-0 and all by first-round KO. Now, I, you know, Grant, we're not talking about top 10 competition just no. yet or anything like that, but all nine of your fights are first-round wins by knockout. That's worth noting. Yeah, it is. I mean, but uh, like you said, though, it's it's just that thing that you know, uh, John Jones was that kind of guy that just smashed everybody, and mm-hmm. you know, and then continued to smash people once he got to the UFC. Um, I've seen other guys that have smashed a bunch of dudes, and then they get up to the higher levels of competition, and all of a sudden they get exposed more. So it just at this point, all the tools look like they're there. The guy's a very loose and accurate striker. Uh, great combinations. Um, let's see him face somebody that people know who he is. Yeah, there's the uh, aftermath on the screen of uh, Taitu Ivasa after he stopped uh, Cyril Asker in the first round. Um, well, the fans, I mean, it's perfect for this card, being yeah. over in Australia and Perth and everything. Fans loved it. Uh, speaking of Aussies, uh, Jake Matthews, who has uh, returned to the middleweight division, uh, took on uh, Li Jingliang. Jingliang. I always get his. He's the leech, is what I. Uh, that's his nickname. Li Jingliang. Uh, Matthews uh, gets a unanimous decision victory over Li. 30 26 on two of the scorecards, 29 28 on another. The story out of this, though, and I, I know I was mentioning this to you because I wanted to get your thoughts, was the blatant foul of uh, Li using an eye gouge to get out of Matthews' tight guillotine that I think probably would have submittedly otherwise. Now, it was it was Matthews on bottom. He's got the guillotine. Lee is in Matthews' guard. Can we pull it up? Guard. Yeah, we can We can try to pull that up if you want to. Yeah, because I only watched the two main. Oh, okay. You didn't see this. No. Um, search. Uh, just do Jake Matthews' eye gouge. Maybe uh, that'll be easier than trying to spell Jing Liang. Now, that's probably just going to be – that's just his backstage interview there, Mikey. But uh, You don't think okay. they're going to show a replay on it? They might. Uh, let's – let's we'll, we'll keep an eye on the bottom of the screen. So there's there's an actual – I guess that's his Instagram photo of the way his eye looked uh, in the aftermath there. Pretty messed up. I don't know. We'll watch it. But it was – to me, I was just curious to see what, what your thoughts were going to be on the referee – because it didn't look to me like he was, yeah, I don't think they're going to show it here. It didn't look to me like he was out of position. I mean, it was it was basically the referee looking straight down on the fighters. And it also wasn't instantaneous. Like, it was long enough for, I remember John Anik, you know, 
reacting to mm. it like, oh, God, oh, you know, like, I mean, there was kind of a strong reaction and it seemed long enough that it was like, how long is this, is that guy's thumb going to be in the other dude's eye before they, uh, they let him out? You got another still shot of it yeah, there, Mikey, is that what we're doing? Still, yeah. Yeah. So there's the, maybe zoom in on that. I mean, that's, granted, that's a, that's a still shot. Who's? random twitter feed if we pulled up here it's all right well i didn't prep you yeah, for that um, one so don't worry about it man i it's hard to tell i mean you would think yeah. though that you're always looking at hands that you know that movement catches your attention yeah uh but you know maybe he was really focused on the choke looking down on where his eyes are uh i've never ref a match so i don't know if they get stuck in tunnel vision maybe one of those things that maybe we should have called john on and had him weigh in on it and you know the mistakes you know I look man they're human they make mistakes yeah. the one part that i thought when I, you first brought it up to me, and I was like, oh, we got to get some clarity on that, mm. is that I do know that just because the referee inside the, the cage doesn't see the foul, if the commission and the other referees outside see it, mm -hmm. they can wave them over and go, hey, this is X, Y, or Z just occurred, and this is what the guy did. or yep. you know, and It's not like, you, it's like, well, if I could fool the one guy, it's like, eh, it doesn't really work that way. Yeah, yeah. If, uh, if that referee did indeed have tunnel vision, the thing for Jake Matthews to say at that point would be to the referee, I don't know if you have tunnel vision right now, but I have no vision because this guy's thumb is in my eye. Uh, all right, well, fair enough. Um, all right, hey, one other uh, quick note because I got a little uh, uh, inside info chatter on this today. Yikes. Oh, wait, we've got it? Okay. It's I wish there was a far enough picture to see what the referee was at. Oh, it's just a Because maybe right there, I mean, yeah. his head's on the opposite side of his opponent's head, like how a guillotine would work, right? Right. So maybe he's looking down at the guy being choked. You know, I mean, it, it's a reasonable, I guess, conclusion to make that he's staring at the guy's hand, so he's looking right now over at the rib cage area on the right side. You know, yeah. Uh, I said he'd probably tap. I didn't realize he was in full guard either. I mean, he's it's going to be pretty hard to tap him from from that, isn't it? Well, if the elbow was on the other – well, if their hip position was the other way. Yeah. Meaning that, like, one way to get out of a guillotine besides tripoding up mm -hmm. is to make sure that the, the, the head that's being – you know, if your head's being choked, having it up north, you know, as far as on top. Yeah. Um, it changes the leverage. You can see right now it's harder to drive your hips forward. Whereas if, if Jake Matthews was sitting on the same side hip as the leg, if he was on his right hip, then it gives him more clearance and drive yes. to pull the head off. Right now, if he tries to drive backwards, the mat's hitting his back, his hips are being crowded, you want to go the other way. Uh, and so that's why, you know, I've done that to Drysdale. You know, I like to go for the guillotine a lot. Mm -hmm. Drysdale will actually sit and splay his legs almost to a point where it looks like he's going to get swept right. just to get his head up high and it just changes the angle of the choke to where i know now that it's not going to work and i'll dump it and i've laughed when i've seen other guys training with them that they they think they have something yeah. and like and then they, they they do the that squeeze where you hold your breath and your oxygen's going to you know saturation drops and i'm like ah you're going to be screwed in about 10 seconds when your shoulder blows out yeah yeah well it's uh and yeah, still shot but uh it, it did go on for quite a while um now i was going to make a quick mention of this though uh and this was not pertaining to the, the card Saturday night, but just a little uh, uh, inside chatter I was a part of earlier today uh, with some sources, if you will. 
Um, but Johnny Hendricks has completed his UFC contract. He fought out the contract. The UFC didn't really make him an offer. So he's a free agent out there now. Now, of course, Johnny Hendricks, you know, problems with weight cuts, well-documented after missing a number of times and going on a, I think, a three-fight losing streak at welterweight. He fought his last couple of fights at middleweight in the UFC, but then had problems making that weight, if you remember. Um, It's psychologically sapped, man. Uh, You know, uh, I think Johnny Hendricks was 36. Oh, age? Wow. Pull I think up, he's about thirty six. Pull up uh, Johnny's age. Were you there, uh, I Mikey? I, maybe the, thirty. Maybe even younger. I think he's younger than that. Yeah, he might be. Because the thing about Johnny is, uh, you know, you, you think about what's out there for him. Um, I mean, the the weight cut thing is always his. Seems like it's his biggest demon. But my gosh, if he, he is were to thirty four, thirty four. There we go. Okay. All right. Look, now he's still young. Yeah. Well, you know. He's not ancient by any means in fighting, and especially for a guy who's a power fighter with such a strong wrestling background. Yeah. If, if they cut him, and all of a sudden he takes some time off, gets reinvigorated, and he shows up walking around at 190 pounds and he's leaner and shows that he's re-inspired, he's instantly going to be back in everybody's conversation. Because mm-hmm. it wasn't like Johnny was getting smashed by guys. I mean, I know Wonder Boy caught him and stuff, and, but, you know, that's Wonder Boy. But... I think that when people think of like what was the decline of uh, of Hendrick's career, he shot himself in the foot. Mm-hmm. You know, it was him having issues with his weight, his weight, his conditioning. Um, you know, rumors coming out of Team Takedown of him not being maybe at <laughs> as many training sessions that he normally would have showed up at, and then it being very apparent when he stepped on the scale. You know. Uh, what his training had been like. Mm-hmm. Um, guys get burnt out all the time at every facet and every walk of life, and MMA can be that way too. Uh, I think that he just is burnt out. He's been cutting weight, like I said, since he was a small child wrestling. That's one of my arguments about not, you know, wrestling's great. All sports are great to put your kids in at a young age, but I think sometimes being too harmful and burning them out you got to be careful. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't want fat, lazy kids that want to play Xbox all day. But at the same time, you don't want it to where you're training an Olympian, and by the time he makes it there, he's been in hardcore peak training for the last 20 fucking years of his life. Mm-hmm. Poor Hendricks doesn't want to look at a diet, you know. But let the guy's bank account run down a little bit. Let him get away from the sport for a little bit. You know, 34, let's see, 35, 36 he still hits like a nightmare. I mean, yep. the guy threw shot put when he was younger. He played baseball as a pitcher. The guy's left hand is still one of the most dangerous left hands in the welterweight division if he gets back down there. Uh, you know, and still the guy was a, you know, a highly decorated wrestler. I think he could still be a force to reckon with. I mean, I thought in his, uh, that title bit he had against George St. Pierre, I still had him beating George St. Pierre's rounds one through four, and I gave St. Pierre the, well, that's heroic. You came back, mm-hmm. and Hendricks kind of got a little tired at the end of kicking your ass, and you you got the fifth round. When they announced George was the winner, I was uh, – that might be the most shocked I've ever been in any fight of my life. I'm like, I don't know shit about fighting because that mm-hmm. guy I did not think won the fight. Yeah, a lot, a lot of people felt that way. Well, if – okay, so you're talking about Hendricks – Taking a little time and then trying to get back down to welterweight. What if? What if he, he can't fight a middleweight? He's too short. That's what I was going to ask. His he's, arms are too yeah. short. He's not. He's not a middleweight. Yeah. So for you, it's middleweight or bust. I mean, it's welterweight, uh, welterweight or, bust. or bust. Yeah. If he him. shows that he can come back at a welterweight, yeah. I think that that'll show. I think again, like all the the naysayers will will pause for a second and go, mm-hmm. "Oh shit, he's back at welterweight. He's in shape again." Mm-hmm. Okay. 
All right, now I'm going to tune in and watch that. And I think he becomes an instant commodity to get at welterweight. If he shows up at, you know, still walking around at 240 pounds and you're going to struggle to make middleweight, I mean, he's too short to be a good middleweight, you know, or to be a great middleweight. I mean, he always hits hard. There's a chance he can catch you. But, I mean, he's just, he's just, there's too much of a reach deficit. It just screws him. Um, I think that he, you know, he doesn't have a phenomenal reach of welterweight, but at least it's amongst welterweights. You know, at middleweight, you got guys that are six foot two fighting. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, and you know, and you think about like if he could get back down to fighting at 170 pounds, something like uh, Bellator for him right now. I mean, you think about the fighters he would instantly be in uh, in the conversation to face. I mean. Uh, Douglas Lima, their champ. Roy McDonald. No, Lor- Roy McDonald's a champ. Uh, Lorenz Larkin. Lima won that fight. A welterweight. Oh, Lima did. No, he didn't. Oh, wait. What am I thinking? Roy won that. Yeah, of course. Nah, when, like, we're, when we're there in L.A. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, Roy won. But uh, uh, Lima, though. Roy McDonald. Uh, Lorenz Larkin. Um, even... Uh, you know, gosh, I mean, even somebody like Paul Daly, it would oh, yeah, uh, be probably exciting. be uh, exciting to uh, see him face. Is Lorenz fighting a welterweight for them? He's not fighting middleweight, is he? For uh, Bellator? Hold on, I'm looking it up. Um, but, I mean, you know, that's that's kind of the first thing I think about now, you know, when, when Bellator comes up in the conversation because they are now getting guys who – who still have a significant amount of tread left on the tires, you know? And it used to be that, okay, you know, they would, they would get their Benson Henderson, but he'd be a little lonely over there in terms of, you know, marquee names in his division. And it's not like that anymore over there. You know, I mean, you, you pull up their, their roster and uh, there's a number of guys. Yeah. Lorenz fighting welterweight over there. So, you know, Michael Venom page is over there. I mean, You've damn near got enough for a pretty compelling welterweight tournament over there if you had to have one, you know? Yeah, so I think, you know, I think Hendricks could still, you know, it's just that it's easy. I think, not that it's easier, it's Mm -hmm. hard with his diet and nutrition, but it isn't like some guys where if they're on a slide against high-level competition, we're not going to believe that they're back on board till they beat high-level competition, right? Yeah. And and beating high-level guys is never easy. Um, whereas Hendricks could show that he's back in the conversation if they cut him and all of a sudden, like I said, a year later he's in shape just walking around. One Instagram pic all of a sudden is going to have everybody clamoring that, oh, he took some time off and he's back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I always like Johnny. Uh, he, uh, he's, he, to me, he was always he was always a – in addition to being an exciting fighter, I'll tell you something else that goes, I think, uh, underappreciated with Johnny. He was a deceptively good interview. Not in the charisma department, but he's a guy who would actually give you a thought. I mean, not that saying he's zero charisma, but he, I'm not mean it like Conor McGregor, right? But, but what he would do, and I interviewed him a number of times over the years, he would give you a thoughtful answer to every question you asked. He was never on autopilot, you know, and you had to ask him a good question, but I mean, he was just, wasn't one of those guys. Every time I felt like I asked him some specific question about a matchup or a breakdown or something like that, he had no problem 
talking to you. I'm not, I, I know that's not why people pay to watch him fight. I'm just saying from my standpoint, that's something I appreciated, and he's one of the good guys, and I hope we haven't seen the, the last of him because it would be nice to see him, uh, if he's not going to be back in the UFC, to revitalize his, uh, his career uh, somewhere else. Frank, you and I just got back from Bisbee, Arizona, a big uh, phone booth fighting road trip that we took out there. Lots to tell, lots of war stories that we brought back that uh, we're going to entertain everybody with here in just a little bit. But first and foremost, uh, an order of business pertaining to that trip, uh, Doug Stanhope's Celebrity Death Pool is something that you and I uh, have been playing in for a couple of years now. Our listeners play with us. Uh, there's a hundred some odd number of you uh, signed up in the phone booth fighting celebrity death pool league right now. And if you missed out on getting signed up, there's some good news here momentarily for you because you're going to have a second chance at playing. But uh, first, Frank, let's welcome on to the big screen via Skype from Bisbee, Arizona. It is the uh, the architect, the administrator of Celebrity Death Pool, Joby, and noted Doug Stanhope podcast sidekick, Chad Shank, joining us. Hello, boys. How are you doing? How's it going, guys? Good to talk to you again. I miss you already. Well, we miss you guys as well. What are you? You're, you're drinking out of mason jars, I see. Is that what you're doing? We're drinking heavily and uh, actually uh, catching up on Invicta fights tonight. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we've been binging on that for a little while and, and just doing what we do and yeah, catching up on Invicta, which is one of our favorite things to watch of all time. I mean, Shank turned me on to it years ago, and we can't get enough of Invicta. It's just it's one of the best classes. Boy, Shannon Knapp would be so happy to see this, and yet probably so creeped out at the same time. If we just <laughs> we just show her as, uh, the 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 uh, president of Invicta comes on our show uh, regularly, guys. And I think if I showed her this, she'd one be happy that she's got a couple of loyal fans, but the screenshot of just the two guys sitting there with their mason jars, uh, intently focused on uh, Invicta fighting, might kind of weird her out. Anyway, um, so we did watch the uh, uh, Roy Jones Jr. Uh, boxing match earlier, which was fantastic as well. Yeah, oh, that was his, his last one, right? Well, so he says. Is he swearing this is really the last time? He said Anderson Silva, though. He said if uh, he, he'd come back, if Anderson Silva will fight. Boy, has there ever been a fight that's been talked about longer? That's, yeah. That talk goes back like the better part of 10 years, didn't it? Yeah. Back when Anderson was on top. Yeah, yeah I remember him talking about back when the idea of an MMA fighter boxing a boxer was pretty much unheard of. Yeah. There was That was long before Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor. Uh, so the reason we have uh, you guys on, in addition for in addition to uh, uh, fellowship, is uh, we're going to start something. We're down there in Bisbee, and we're all sitting around having a good time. And I said, you know, so many of our listeners are interested in this celebrity death pool. We ought to get you guys on on a monthly basis right before trade day, which is the 15th of every month, where uh, you can make a trade on your uh, celebrity death pool pick and do like a... Like uh, what? Who's hot and who's not? Or I guess in this case, who's cold and who's who's uh, who's cooling and possibly getting colder? Uh, who to watch for in Celebrity Death Pool? And so you guys like the idea, and that's what we're gonna do. 
Uh, the website, by the way, to follow along is Doug Stanhope's CelebrityDeathPool.com, or if you can't remember all that, just use the uh, first letters of each word, D-S-C-D-P.com. But to give you an idea of what we're talking about here, Joby, we're going to let you give our listeners an update on how they're doing in the phone booth fighting Celebrity Death Pool League. Um, and just the, the basics for those who don't know, you pick 20 celebrities, the season lasts uh, the calendar year basically, and each time a celebrity on your roster dies, you are awarded uh, points on a on a basically a scale basis. There, there's a lot more to it than that. But but with with, with that information, let me uh, hand it over to you. All right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a and and really, you can start your own league, your own funeral home, any time of the year. But it does end at uh, the end of the year, uh, December 31st. It, yes. That's the end of the year, the end of the season. But you can start one in a month or a week from now, whenever you want. But uh, let's go through you know phone booth fighting. Uh, You've got four people on the board already this season. Which is pretty impressive. I mean, for us to have started, we started, Frank, I think one week ago, more or less. Yeah. And four of our listeners already have kills on the board. It's it's Frank Mir-esque, really, when you think about it, because you were hot out of the gates this Last past year. season in yeah. Doug's League, right? I was at the fastest kill so far. Yeah, fastest kill in celebrity death pool history. I believe William Hurt was done in. I think like three hours after the uh, yep. record. Uh, the, uh, that, <laughs> yeah, that was that was insane. Wasn't long after the league launched. All right, so who who are our four uh, overachieving celebrity death pool listeners? There, we they're they're going to look forward to hearing their names uh, shouted out oh. on the podcast. Dad, you got. Fourth and third, you know, tied. You know, two people tied for third. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nome is one of them, and Roly Poly Fishheads, and they both had. Uh, it was. Uh, let me see. It was Vic Damone just died today. No, he was a crooner. Yeah, yeah, he was an old kind of like a Frank Sinatra. Yeah, I know the name. I've heard it before. Yeah, and and of course this year we're doing uh, a twenty-five point bonus for musicians, and I would think, guys, that that's probably where the lion's share of his points came because it, it couldn't have been much on age points. The age points, it's it's a hundred minus your age. So if you're uh, in your late forties, that's a pretty good payoff, fifty something points. But if your victim own must have been in his, was he in his nineties, at least late eighties? Yeah, yeah, I think he, he was he was fairly up there. But you have a lot of people that pick Kirk Douglas, and he's a hundred and one now. Boy, be careful with that because you get penalized. Well, you lose points. Yes. So. Don't go. Right, so. Don't. Do, there's no place worse. Did he than, ever? Was he ever a musician? No, not Kirk Douglas. Just an actor. Vic Damone was. Though. No, no, I'm just saying because you know sometimes like I mean like Steven Seagal, like, he played in the band. You know. Oh like, yeah, yeah. No, there's they're 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 running that. Joby's running that pretty tight. I mean, this is a legitimate operation. He's running that thing pretty tight in terms of you have to kind of be known for your your musician. Oh really? Is there yeah. really a criteria there on that one? I mean, I mean, if you have a band and like I mean, there's a couple like doesn't uh, what's his name? Uh, Jack Sparrow. Uh, Oh, Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. He's in a band, right? Now, Johnny Depp's an interesting one because he's actively in a band. Like, he's he's yeah. in a band a lot of days out of but the But, I year. mean, if you told me to name his band or to name yeah. a song, yeah. not that I'm the best at this. No, you're not. No. But, 
But it might not be a good example. Mike, could you name a song from Johnny Depp's band? Uh, no, I could not. There you go. Could you no. name his band? No, I couldn't do that. There's, there's some famous. Could you even name what position band. he is in the band? I would oh, guess Hollywood singer, Vampire. Would, yeah. Hollywood Vampires. He's the guitar player. Now, here's the thing, though. The other people in the band include Joe Perry of Aerosmith and Alice Cooper. Oh, shit. So he's got some serious guys in the band, yeah. Well, that's a good question. Well, of course, it would. would uh, let's just clear that up right now for anybody that might be thinking of uh, taking uh, Johnny Depp, who, who is a, a friend of the, the Doug Stanhope cult, by the way. Is that a, Would he pass for the 25-point musician's bonus? No, absolutely not. Really? The way that the bonus works is you have to be primarily okay. known as a musician. Ah, all right, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. that's clear. So right. you know, you it know, can't be a little side hobby, right? right. So, so where that could flip around, let me ask you this. You were saying something. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Joe. Where are we going? Like William Shatner, he's put out a couple of albums, mm -hmm. but shut he, up. You don't think about him yeah. as <laughs> you didn't an know musician. Sorry, guys. This uh, uh, you, you'll, you'll learn. You'll uh, wait. We're sounding hot. You'll, uh, you'll learn as uh, you do this podcast with us more. But uh, yeah. Frank is, uh, a lot of this is just a learning experience yeah. for Frank. He learns new things every week. I was raised at a gym, man. So. Yeah. He just learned that, uh, he just learned that uh, William Shatner put out a couple of records. Well, maybe we'll play some William Shatner. I'm interested to hear some of it's, it's unique, for sure. But I see what you're saying, because William Shatner would be known as primarily an actor. And you know where that could flip around, I guess, is Rick Springfield would be known primarily as a musician, I would think. But if we were giving an acting bonus, you would consider him a musician over an actor? Correct. Yeah. Absolutely, 100%. You're right. Yeah. Okay. All right. So back to uh, where were we? Uh, so, so Vic Damone uh, got a musician's bonus, and that was good enough for third and fourth place in the phone booth fighting celebrity death pool. Uh, go ahead. And then we have uh, uh, second place is Zach Backish, and he got, let's see, who did he have? He had uh, Mickey Jones. All right, Mickey Jones is that biker actor that was yep. in every 70s, 80s, 90s sitcom. and He's that guy that you would recognize as soon as you saw him. Right, he's been in every movie ever, and uh, he got him as a, a, a first blood hit and I think it was a solo pick in the home. So he's and, sitting at second. But he also got a musician's bonus, and I'll tell you how I know this. Or maybe he didn't get a musician's bonus, but let me clear this up with you, because I actually interviewed Mickey Jones about ah. eight, nine years ago. I interviewed him at the Texas Motor Speedway, and we were talking about a lot of the different movies that he'd been in, but well, I... He's a consummate biker guy. That's him. Yeah. But I identified him as the drummer in Kenny Rogers' band, the first edition, before he was an actor. Kenny Rogers, before he was a country star, uh, was kind of a, he had a couple of sort of semi-psychedelic songs, and he had this one called, I Just Stopped In to See What Condition My Condition Was In. <laughs> yeah. But he was the drummer, right, with, with him. So did, did they get a musician's bonus for Mickey Jones? No, because uh, I know he's a musician, but he's primarily known as an actor. Oh, okay, okay. But so, oh, you know what? Just, Those, do you guys who whose house are you in? 
Uh, we're actually in uh, Chateau de Shank. Okay, and and Chad, you have like some? Are those like stars on the wall behind you? Or are they flower pet? It, it was uh, it was freaking me out for a second because it looked like you had the world's dirtiest computer screen. No, <laughs> no, I think my wife has some stickers or something on the wall. Okay, okay. good. Well, I was just making sure those weren't like you know errant internet porn remnants or something. Do you ever notice that women do decorate things in houses much more than men do? Yeah, like. Do you decorate anything in your house? I enjoy, uh, I, I would, but Jennifer kind of takes the helm on that, and I pretty much just stay out of the way. Yeah, it's just, uh, men are much more Spartan, I think. Yeah, yeah, probably so. Noted that shit until you pointed it out, right? Now. Yeah. You <laughs> <laughs> said the same in my house about shit. There's times I've walked around, I'm like, yeah, hey, that's new. And like, nah, it's been there since day one. Like, mm. Yeah, the problem, though, guys, at Frank's house is when he notices something that wasn't there before, it's a couple of grand on the credit card. Yeah. Usually it's. <laughs> I get nervous real quick. I'm like, oh, fuck, for the love of God. Uh, how much did that cost? <laughs> okay, so that's third and fourth. Congratulations to our uh, phone booth fighting uh, death pool competitors that are sitting in a tie for third and fourth, courtesy of the recently departed Vic Damone. Now, at number two, Joby, who's sitting at the uh, silver medal position this early in the season? Yeah, number two was uh, uh, actually Mickey Jones. Oh, I'm sorry, you did say that. Yep, Mickey Mickey Jones. Okay. And uh, number one was uh, Steve MC. He's sitting at first place with a hit off of Liam Miller. He's a footballer. Like a bunch of people had him. He was very popular and uh, and high on the on the list. So he he's a you know from Ireland footballer that you know, oh. was big in the. So that type of footballer. Yeah, that I'm sitting there going, "How do I not know who this is? A popular football player, you know? Yeah, well, but you know, soccer player. <laughs> yeah, you know what, Frank is. Uh, you know, Joby brought up an interesting point while we were there in Bisbee uh, this past uh, week. That you know, because we've talked in the past about, oh gosh, I don't know who this person is. You know, is this really a celebrity? Yeah, some guy who's 95 was on a parliament. At one yeah, point. you know, never heard of this person. But Joby brought up an interesting point, which is. There are people playing now in what you say, Joby, twenty-two countries. Yeah, twenty-two. Now. Yeah. So there's going to be people in countries, yeah. you know, that have well, that a sense. huge celebrity that we've never heard of. And Joby, somebody who's famous in North Africa or, right. you know, or East Asia, we might not have ever heard of, but yeah. And Joby has actually uh, convened an international advisory panel to address this very concern, right? I mean, it's like a United Nations of death pool that you oversee. Yeah, I have about 60 people uh, worldwide that, uh, that vote on petitions that I get. Is this person a celebrity? Is it not? And most of the people on this committee are actually outside of the U.S., which helps quite a bit. So um, so I, I think we're getting better on rulings of who's a celebrity and who's not because it is very subjective. It's, you know, just because, you know, you or I think a person should or shouldn't be a celebrity, our opinion doesn't matter. It's the majority matters. So. Right. Right, and uh, that's that's another good thing about the newly redesigned uh, Doug Stanhope Celebrity Death Pool .com website is it's much more interactive, and there's polls that go up where people can weigh in on. Like for example, I saw you had one today that was uh, the last few days that was if a if a person is a member of a rock and roll Hall of Fame band, are they considered a member of that band? even if they were not one of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees. It went something like that, right? Well, it was, uh, it's, if a, if a, any member of a band is inducted into the Hall of Fame, should 
they be considered a celebrity? Oh, oh so, okay. So, so if they're an inductee, they're an if, actual. If inductee? the band is inducted, should yeah. everybody who's ever been a part of it? Is that what no, you're no, just just the the band member, members. the current the oh. band members were inducted into the Hall of Fame. Should they be? But we're so, talking like a keyboardist that no one has ever heard of. So, like the forty E Street band members that were yeah, all right. part of the. Uh, well, let me yeah. be clear. Every member of the E Street band is a celebrity. Well, I'll get that on record right <laughs> now. But uh, no, I would say if you get induct, if you're part of the class, uh, part of the the number of band members that goes into the Hall of Fame, hundred percent, you would be considered a celebrity. But I would say, because like take Kiss for example, they only inducted the original four members, but right. Eric Singer, the drummer they've had for twenty something years now, he's I think he's a celebrity if uh, if he dies in the pool. Maybe it's case by case, but. Uh, I, sorry, that hits so close to home. I have strong thoughts about yeah. that one. Um, okay, so congratulations to our uh, our four uh, who are on the leaderboard now in the phone booth fighting celebrity death. Well, I'll tell you what, the more people there are playing, the tougher it is to make the picks, I've found, Frank, because in the little uh, invite-only league that you and I play in with Doug and Joby and Shank and just a few other people, I think there's only 10 or 12 of us total, there's not as many celebrities picked. I've noticed in our phone booth fighting league, where you and I also play, mm -hmm. that, you know, we've got 20 times 100, that's like a lot of <laughs> celebrities. Right, and so uh, it's uh, it's uh, you know slimmer pickings, if you will, uh, to come up with your your celebrities. Now, let's go ahead and take this opportunity before we get into who's hot and who's not, uh, with the trade round just a day or two away. Joby, you came up with an idea because I know what's happening. There's there's a hundred phone booth fighting listeners who are riveted to this. And there's some other sickos who are interested vicariously, but there's probably a lot of people who are kicking themselves, going, damn it, this now this sounds like fun, and I missed the opportunity to get in on it, and now I'm going to have to wait until next year. Au contraire. You don't even know about this yet, Frank. Joby contacted me yesterday with a hot idea, a hybrid idea, if you will, uh, to uh, for phone booth fighting to join forces with the Doug Stanhope podcast and create what, Joby? What's your bright idea? Well, I'd like to get another uh, funeral home started up, and mainly it's you know what I like to give is you know uh, cool prizes for people that you know that win, and the main prize uh, is going to be I have a, a a mint Playboy issue of China who died in 2016. I think it was. Uh, April 20th, 2015, that China died. Yep. And what we're going to do is have uh, Frank and Richard, Doug Stanhope, and Chad Shank and I all sign it, autograph it. That will be one of the prizes for first. Uh, another prize for first be like a $50 or $100 gift card, you know, like Amazon, so you can do that online. Second place will be in a, like another $50 gift card and merch, and then third place will be merch. But the more people that sign up and play, the bigger those prizes will be. But the main one is that Playboy issue of China, who is now deceased. 
and having everyone's autograph. There you go. She died pretty sad too, right? It's like she was in her house for like two or three days before we yeah. discovered her. Yeah, she had a prescription drug problem. I actually, oddly enough, uh, got to know her a little bit when she was. Of course, you know. when she she was uh, she was for for a time she was uh, she was a, a regular hanger on at uh, the brothel, and so Does she ever work? No. No, but she just liked the vibe. She liked uh, hanging out, and uh, I spent quite a bit of time with her and, uh, and Joey Buttafuoco around that time. Well, but uh, that's a name I haven't heard in a while. Yeah, yeah. So she was uh, she was around, but that I think that that's a that's a uh, uh, that's a creative prize. And Frank, I I mean, you probably signed a lot of things in your lifetime. Would this be the first ever Playboy magazine? This is the first ever Playboy. magazine. Asked you to sign, okay. And we'll we'll combine our merch too, like Joby just said. Uh, of course, everybody knows uh, uh, we've got dot We've got uh, T-shirts and autograph posters and all that. But at Doug Stanhope Celebrity Deadpool.com, they've got great merch as well. The latest uh, version of which our own Frank Mirrors modeling. If you're watching on our phone booth fighting YouTube page, you can see the new design. Nicely done on that, boys. Yeah, yeah, it looks fantastic. Yeah, so we'll be we'll be doing that. Okay, so uh, now this one is gonna. Do we have a a, a price point? If it, it was free to sign up before, there would be a nominal cost on this one, right? This one is uh, if you've never played, you're not a, a historical member. Or, yeah, this is the first uh, time you want to jump in and join and play. It's four ninety nine, four dollars okay. ninety nine cents. Okay, already play in another funeral home on our site. It's only two ninety nine. Okay, so that's what we go for. Is like we want to get more people playing in multiple homes, so it's cheaper for them to play in in, in homes like this. Okay, so. and so so if somebody is already playing in our phone booth fighting celebrity death pool league, they can also join this one, and in this league they'll be competing for prizes, and they could get in for two ninety nine, right? Exactly. Okay, I like that. That sounds good. All right, so now let's give everybody an idea, Joby. Uh, or, or, or Chad, you weigh in too, however you boys want to do it. But give everybody an idea of, you know, okay, you pick your 20 celebrities, but every month there is a trade round. And our first trade round is coming up as we tape in like 72 hours. So kind of explain how the trade round works. Well, uh, what you have to do, you have to first go through your list and, and think, of who is probably not going to die this year and mm. get rid of them. Yes. And then you start figuring out, uh, okay, who do I want to add? But there's also a button on, on your page, like view pick celebrities. You can't pick up another celebrity that someone has already picked in your league. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Got to be a, a, a unique pick. So you do have to do some research. This is like uh, fantasy sports. You really have to do some research and, and figure out who you want to swap in and swap out. Um, I like to search uh, like uh, or uh, uh, usually for a musician hospitalized, depending on what the bonus is. <laughs> to Google that, check it just in the days before and see who has recently went in that might sure. be a good person to pick up. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Sage advice there, Chad Shank. Uh, also, as you go, as you go through this. Uh, you really start to focus on the most incurable of all diseases. I think you've, you've probably 
learn that after a season or two of this, Frank. Right? Drug addiction? No. <laughs> well, that's that's the wild card because if somebody that's always the hell Mary. It is because if somebody dies of unnatural causes, that can be a huge windfall because it's harder to predict. If somebody is elderly and contracts something that's uh, incurable. Then that's a little bit more of a, a of a, a lock. Yeah, you get to start pit. to know the different cancers, you know. Yeah, you do. You you, you do. You're like throat cancer, you're like meh. Pancreatic cancer, yeah. yay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's uh, that's how that works. And then uh, uh, so with the trade round, and so obviously, if you're already playing in our league, you're you're probably sweating it right now, trying to figure out who uh, you might want to drop and more importantly who you might want to pick up. So um, that's the idea of this new segment is that once a month we're going to help you guys out that are playing in the league. We're going to give you an idea of who's trending, who's going to be a, a hot pickup coming up in the next trade round. So let me turn it back over to you boys and tell us who uh, who you're keeping an eye on that maybe you, you weren't watching so closely this time last month. Yeah, let's, uh, you know, I'll give you a, you know, maybe top 10 of most picked celebrities. How about okay. that? Yes. Let's start out. Um, let's go. Okay, so we'll start out at number 11. Like I was talking about Kirk Douglas. Yeah. You know, there tons of people are picking him up. Uh, Prince why? Philip. Let's let's Prince talk about Kirk Douglas for yeah, a second. Yeah, why would you pick him up? I was under the impression that. That's negative points. So you get a kill, you waste a spot, and you don't even get points. And the reason Frank says that is because Kirk Douglas is 101 years old. So obviously his age minus 100 points leaves you negative one. But wait, Joby, there could be a strategy to this. And for more on that, here's you. What if he's a solo pick? And that's exactly it. The strategy would be is that you count on nobody else picking that person so that you get him as a solo pick and you get the 25, which would then become a 24-point bonus. So it's not a huge pick, but it's a, a bit of a gamble. Yeah. Right, but Kirk Douglas so, holding on at So basically, one. everybody now is going to try to drop him, or they're not going to drop him because they like they realize now that everybody else has him. Yeah. But then you're going to have those guys who are going to hold on, thinking they might be the only guy who doesn't drop him, and then no one's going to drop him. Yeah, if you, yeah exactly. <laughs> well, yes, if you pick him up, then you better drop him. You pick him up and he's not a solo pick, you better drop him quick and hope he has a good month, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to. You don't want to go up. There's no no worse place to go upside down than celebrity death pool. It's worse than being upside down in your car paint. So Prince Philip's not feeling well. Yeah, Prince Philip is he at number ten? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Prince Philip's at number ten. Uh, and we again, we have a lot of Brits playing and, and UK folk mm. and Australia, New Zealand. So. He's uh, Prince Philip is high up. More of like a they just want him to die. I fight. <laughs> I watched that show, The Crown, on Netflix. Well, Jennifer watches the show, and, yeah. I, and I happen to go in and out between my looking at the iPad, looking up at the TV, and yeah. he's actually kind of an interesting character. I I found him kind of entertaining, to be honest with you. I well, in, in in fairness, he's probably like how other people find Trump entertaining. Yeah, I was going to say he's <laughs> he's newer to you than he is to them. They yeah. they've probably already uh, tired. Uh, yeah, of he says some uh, squirrely yeah. shit every now and then. Now, how old is Prince Philip? Uh, Prince Philip is in his nineties now. He's okay. he's up there. He's like ninety, early nineties, I think. Yeah. So. so nothing particularly wrong with him. He's just uh, in terms of health, he's just old. Yeah, he's he's ready to cash it in. Yeah, yeah. he's ready. To, someone's ready to throw the light switch on him. Right. Okay. So, 
is what I call low hanging fruit. You're not gonna get up. <laughs> yes. All right. What else you got? Uh, Jimmy Carter. That's another one. You know, yeah. that everyone's picking up. But again, he's old. He's all the shit. Bill, he's still like building houses. And stuff. Yeah, let me warn you about Jimmy Carter. That motherfucker's not going anywhere. He's Jimmy, as hell. There's a couple <laughs> things with the presidents. This is just my own editorial uh, comments, but I have been playing in death pool for a number oh, of yeah, years. Oh, yeah, if you're now. a president, right? Let me tell you what my take on the presidents, guys. And They're the Chad, worst picks. Yeah, Chad, Joby, you can tell me if you disagree, but here's my thought on the president. Sure, being president of the United States does age you prematurely. We always see the pictures of how they come out eight years later and they're gray-haired and all that. However, you've got the absolute best medical care available, and you will have it for the rest of your natural life. So these guys always do live to be old. And when it comes to Jimmy Carter, that's a guy who's out there with Habitat for Humanity building houses. The guy can drive a nail with one swing of a hand. He's got old man strength now. So I I don't know how I feel about that. Buyer beware on Jimmy Carter. That's all I'm saying. I, I yeah. hear you 100 percent, and yeah, not one I'd go with either. Yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't. Either. Yeah, it's just not worth it. Uh, people are, uh, and I will circle back to that because we have two more just of what you were talking about coming up on this list. Okay, uh, we got uh, Bill Cosby. I think that's mostly a, a, a spite pick. People just want to see him die or hope that he offs himself. Don't you have uh, Bill Cosby? I think you do. Yeah, I picked yeah. him. Why did you figure the stress of just? Yes. I mean, I mean. That's a lot of stress for a guy to go through. I mean, Jennifer, you know, was mad. That, you know, obviously with the mistrial, he's not going to, you know, reap any kind of uh, consequences for any of his past actions. Mm-hmm. But I told her, I'm like, his life sucks anyways. I mean, yeah, it, it's not sitting in jail cell suck, but it still sucks. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. the guy can't go anywhere without everybody staring at him knowing that he's a rapist. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, that's just about as bad as being stuck in a jail cell. You know what I mean? Like, so, Frank, if you were to encounter Bill Cosby, and knowing that you have Bill Cosby on your death pool, would you be tempted to kind of try to well, I scare him? New, you know what I mean? Rule just number one. I wouldn't want to infringe on Give him a fright. <laughs> but if I saw him choking, yeah. I would definitely just sit there and stare. You wouldn't do, yeah, no, no. CPR. And, yeah, I, and I don't think that if I interfere anybody else from helping, I don't yeah. know if that counts as rule number one break. I, I'd have to call up Joby real quick. I, I got this guy by the scruff of his neck. I'm not letting him give CPR or the Heimlich right now. Is, is this an infraction? Fair question. <laughs> Failure to render aid, boys. Number one rule of death pool is thou shalt not kill your celebrity. Where do you guys fall on that? Rendering aid. Wait a minute. Can we all just take a minute to picture... Frank Mir beating people away from saving Bill Cosby. So. <laughs> Alright, now hold on about this second. <laughs> you all know you want him to die too. I'm gonna get some points for this, alright? <laughs> fair very fair question. Um well I you know, I I uh I you know I did point this out uh when we were down there in Bisbee. By the way, uh SWATcast coming soon. If you're wondering what we were doing down there, yeah, it was a fun little vacation for the mirrors and the hunters. But uh, we were down there doing business, which meant we were writing everything off as a tax deduction. We were doing a swap cast with uh, the Doug Stanhope crew, and they're going to release it with us simultaneously here in the next week or so. And I I don't know about you guys, uh, Chad and Joby, but it is a uh, unanimous uh, uh, thought here at Phone Booth Fighting Headquarters 
that that's about the most fun we ever had. I mean, that that might be yeah. one of the best episodes we've ever done. For Absolutely, me. that's what I thought when we walked out of there. I was like, wow, that was that was awesome. That worked out perfectly. I mean, yeah. I thought it was a, a great energy, great conversation. I'm like, if we did that all the time, we would. Uh, we yeah. don't have to do anything else. And we'll do it again. So hopefully, hopefully you guys felt the same way we did. I'm really Plus looking forward to that one coming. Okay, out. we'll talk more about it later yeah. on. But I mean, the yeah. minute I drove into the place to the minute we left, I was blown away. Yeah, we're in love with your little town now of Bisbee. I see how it grabs people, man. Yeah, I had to start talking to Jennifer. I'm like, there was that one building we went into that had the different real estate things up there. I took a picture of the, the one of the uh, the realtors. I'm like, oh, let's just call and see. You know, and like, you know. Yeah. I don't know if your Jennifer's been talking to my Jennifer because she sent me like this whole Zillow listing of like how affordable property is in Bisbee. She's got the same thought. So we could maybe, maybe a phone booth fighting house yeah. in Bisbee that we'll just trade out with. Yeah, like a timeshare. Yeah. Phone booth fighting timeshare. Like it. Okay. Hopefully it doesn't get painted pink camouflage. But I brought a, I got a picture of that, by the way, to show everybody. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll tell you about that here in a little bit. Uh, okay, so uh, where were? Oh, I, I know what I was going to say. I just wanted to get this on record because I did forget to bring this up on the SWAT cast. You know, rule number one of Celebrity Death Pool is thou shalt not kill your celebrity. You will not be awarded the points right. if you're found guilty of that. Uh, a lot of people asked me, as I, in the aftermath of uh, my infamous Lamar Odom incident, if I had Lamar Odom on my death pool roster when all this was going down? The answer is no, I did not. However, there were other people competing against me who did, okay? Who at that and, point would have picked Lamar Odom? Well, he was, a, he was a cracked out mess before oh, really? any I wasn't, of that happened. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. on my radar. Though. Yeah, yeah, he was always in some kind of trouble. So a lot of other people had him. Now, some people would say what a power move it would be to encounter your celebrity, like Frank was just saying, and just, you know, fail to render aid and, and collect the points. However, I believe I might have pulled the ultimate power move, which is to encounter a celebrity who is on my competitor's roster and work actively to save his life to fuck the person who was competing against me. What say you, Chad and Joby? Yeah, yeah, you coffin blocked him. Yeah, I That's a good one, coffin block. <laughs> sure did. Sure did. Okay, back to uh, back to the, the, the hot top ten there. Uh, yeah, yeah, Valerie Harper. Mm, TV's uh, Rhoda. Yeah, she's been on everyone's list forever, and, and she does, you know, she's, you know, My, not long. I thought she was already dead. If you hear somebody and you don't know them either, can you nod so I don't feel like I'm the only one in the room who doesn't know? Yeah, I'm not familiar with her. Uh, this okay. is Mikey, our producer. Mikey, how old are you? I'm 30. Okay. You okay. 37. 38. 38 now. Okay. Uh, yeah, a little before your time, boys. Um, uh, Valerie Harper was uh, the star of a sitcom called Rhoda. Now, here's where you probably will know her. Rhoda was a spinoff of the Mary Tyler Moore show. Heard of that. Mary Tyler Moore? Yeah. Yeah, Rhoda was Mary's friend on Mary Tyler Moore, and then they spun her off into her own episode. Yeah, no. Yeah. Okay, so she's been on there. She has some sort of uh, disease situation, right? She's not well, but uh, she's been yeah, hurting for a while. Um, that's a you know low hanging fruit. But uh, next one is again more low hanging fruit is Stan Lee. Everyone's picking him up now. Frank, you've had him in the past. Yeah. I don't think you took him this year, did you? Did I not? Did I switch him out? I think I did because he was he's ninety four now, ninety five. Mm -hmm. It was getting to the point where it was like, all right, five or six points just ain't worth wasting a spot. Let me tell you something. That's how they get you though. There's no worse feeling. 
then having somebody that you carry year after year, I've been there, and then you drop them, and as soon as you drop them, career year. And his wife died last year, if I remember correctly. So I kind of thought, like, all right, you know, this is this is the time I'm going to get them, and then. He made it through. I'm like, ah, mm. yeah, it's not happening. I did see that he had to. He was rushed to the hospital for something fairly recently. Yeah, so. he was. Uh, I, I don't know. It was uh, indigestion or something like well, that. Well, at that he, age, I mean, you know, a, a hard bout with indigestion could potentially do you in. All right, Stan Lee, there. Who else you got? Uh, and number five is uh, Artie Lang. That's a yeah. solid. Everyone is going for Artie Lang and and uh, Shank. You just said he's uh, in the hospital again. I just read I've, uh, oh. he's back in the hospital a couple of days ago again. I so. guess they said he had the flu, but they always say he has the flu every time he does too much drugs and goes to the hospital. So you never know. Yeah, that guy has done a copious. I mean, he's always oh. super heavy. That is that is a. That just hard, shows you how resilient the human heart really it does. is. That is that is a hard living individual right there. And I would say that um, you, I, I would say guys that uh, you know your your leader Doug Stanhope was known for so many years as uh, considering Ralphie May the free space on his bingo card of death. And uh, once Ralphie uh, uh, passed this past year. It seems like Artie Lang might be kind of the the heir apparent there. Yeah, yeah, he had to pass the torch definitely, and that, and Artie's the one. So yeah, and by torch you mean butane torch yeah. that you light a crack pipe with, right? Uh, yeah, light a crematorium by. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So yeah, uh, all right. The, yeah, next one. Uh, you guys probably won't know this one, but it's Irish singer, big in the U huge in the UK, Linda Nolan. You know what um, you. Uh, I think Please tell I me have. Know that. <laughs> no, no, you know what? You've got her, Frank. I think we both took her. Yeah. Her, her sister Bernie was one of my early year death pool hits. Oh yeah. yeah <laughs> what? Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Well, like again, it's huge sisters. in the UK. It's uh, you know it's not. It, we can't go by American standards of who's popular and who's not. It's right. you know it's a worldwide game. It's a global game. So yeah. uh, she is uh, one of the top picks of all time because we have so many fans and players in uh, the UK and uh, in the other parts of the world. So yeah, I think you, it's because she's right. about to die. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. good point, well, Chad. Yeah, you took her, Frank. I did not. So uh, I will root. I think for I was her. going to the list of musicians that were sick. Yes, I will root for her recovery then. Okay. I have, I have as well. Okay, so uh, on number three, George H. W. Bush. Everyone's going for that. Yeah, yeah, but how many points is he? Well, he, four. He's only, yeah, he's only going to be four points unless you had him as some sort of solo pick. Yeah, yeah. So well, not much there. Well, now it's another situation again where he's high on the list. Everybody sees it. <laughs> They're not the only ones going to have him. So yeah, yeah. All right, and again, you know, consider my presidential caveat there. These guys are getting top-notch health care, and apparently he was grabbing asses until like six months ago. I mean, he was he got swept into this whole Me Too thing. Out of all the people, out of all the former presidents that you would expect to get Me Tooed, the ones that are still alive, I would say maybe second only to Jimmy Carter, I would not expect George H.W. Bush to get looped into that. But he was, you know what his you know what his move was, right? The the chick would lean in because she's taking a picture of him because he's in his wheelchair, and he'd say, "You know who my favorite magician is?" And she would say, "Who?" And he would say, 
David Copperfield in Squeezer Butt. No shit. Yeah. No, come on. David Copperfield. When you're 90, you can get away with some shit. Yeah. Well, I bet Doug wishes he'd written that one. I know. High I know. comedy I know. there. All right, He's so smooth. where are we at? Who's next? Okay, uh, uh, number two is uh, Leah Bracknell. Again, yep. you know, it's a... I don't know if you know who she is, but we, uh, definitely a, a UK name. British, and, uh, she's yeah, uh, she's young and has cancer and is going to die probably this year. Yeah, British actress, and Frank and I both took her. Like I said, she's uh, she's the current darling of Deadpool. I think a lot of people have her. All right. Yeah, and then number one is not White House, but John McCain. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I picked up John McCain just because you know it, it, he's he's not showing up to work anymore, and he was a guy because he can't health considerations, and he was a guy who uh, you know if if there's one thing he loves it's his seat in the Senate and getting in there and shaking things up, uh, representing uh, uh, Joby and Chad's state of Arizona. So I figured the fact that he's not coming to work is is not a good sign for his longevity. So now I have him. He's a uh, oh gosh, he was born in '36, so not a, not a huge payoff. And at this point, not anybody's solo pick. That's like still Chad, twenty points, right? Yeah, it's still twenty points. And sort of like Chad said, you know, maybe a little bit more of your low hanging fruit category. You got to mix it up. You got to have a number of those. And then you got to have a couple of flyers. You got to have a couple of Macaulay Culkins and such in the mix. That yeah, uh, was always Lindsay Lohan. If I Lindsay Lohan. That's I right. I gave up on her. Yeah. Not enough drugs. So that's uh, that's your uh, that's your top ten uh, celebrities to watch for Deathpool. I will go ahead and, for the good of the segment and the good of the league, throw one out. Okay. I'll tell you who I'm considering. This is some breaking news just as of today. I thought about, well, I better keep this to myself, but uh, it makes for a better segment if I go ahead and share it. Glenn Tipton. Glenn Tipton of Judas Priest with an announcement today. Glenn Tipton has uh, been battling Parkinson's disease privately for a number of years, and Judas Priest uh, here in a couple of weeks are going to release a new album. I've actually got tickets to see them in LA in April, which Jennifer's very excited about because she loves her some Judas Priest. But um, Glenn Tipton, one half of the twin guitar attack of the original Judas Priest, uh, the other being K.K. Downing, who went on to write the wildly popular Harry Potter series, um, KK's been out of the band for a number of years, but Glenn uh, was expected to tour. And just an announcement today from the band that said his Parkinson's has accelerated to the point that he can no longer perform with the band and he can't go out and tour and they're going to have to have somebody uh, replace him on the road. So I figure, guys, when that much money is on the line, uh, even though he hasn't been real public about what he's dealing with, if he's bowing out of that, uh, things must have progressed uh, uh, to a pretty advanced stage. Okay, um, let me look this up real quick. Sure, and I'm... and by the way, a musician's bonus. I mean, that's the thing I think we all keep top of mind because every year in Deathpool there is a one season only sort of novelty bonus. Last year it was politicians for an extra twenty five well, points. The first year we pl- I played was. The- Athletes. Yeah, athletes. Uh, this year, uh, it is musicians for an extra 25. What would the payout yeah. be on him, Joby? You pulling him up? 
Uh, yeah, yeah, I pulled him up. Um, uh, I won't let you know how many people have him until another podcast, but if that's going to be your pick, I say go for it. Yeah, yeah, yes. okay. All right. Good, uh, good to know. Good, solid uh, tip there from uh, the Celebrity Death Pool guys, Chad Shank and Joby. All right, guys, well, listen, uh, thank you very much for doing this. When we uh, sat around and uh, we're, we were brainstorming it, I was imagining like an old school Jimmy the Greek segment, you know, where you guys would uh, uh, deliver uh, picks to watch and as popular as fantasy football is these days, uh, I'm sure that uh, a lot of people uh, relate to the the uh, the strategic nature of what it is we're doing. Because a lot of people, Frank, just think we're sick. But they don't appreciate It's like, you, you know, it's not unlike your chosen profession. A lot of people think you just get in there and punch a guy in the face. They don't realize all the strategy that goes no, along true. with it. You know? Plus, I learned a little bit more about history and pop culture. That's right. You learned William Shatner put out a couple yeah. of records. You learned Valerie Harper had a uh, spinoff sitcom career in the in the 1970s. All right. Well, once again, if you'd like to play, the website is DougStanhopeCelebrityDeathPool.com. Now, Joby, what are we calling this funeral home? How will people find it? Uh, exactly. I was going to throw that on you because uh, we really need to name this thing well. And I, that's a, the, I just realized before we started, we, we don't have a good name for it yet. And it won't start for another week, probably, or you know, week and a half. I'm going to give people time to join. Yeah. But we definitely need a, a good name in the next couple of days. So, um, so I think maybe have everyone stay tuned, uh, and I will tweet out to Phone Booth Fighting, and you'll tweet out as well, and, and we'll retweet whatever, and let all your listeners know. Uh, maybe on your next uh, your next podcast that you release, that's when you can announce it. We'll just kind of figure it out that way. So okay, all right, we can do that. We'll have to. I mean, unless we want to just brainstorm for a second, I'm just hesitant because I think a lot of people may be listening right now, going, "I'm going to sign up for this thing right this second. Is there anything? Yep. Is there anything that 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 conjures an image of uh, the two of uh, of of our podcasts uh, coming? Oh, I've got it. Okay. Damn Yankees. <laughs> there we go. That because Stanhope couldn't. He just could not get it through his. Yeah, he, he had that brain fart about cool. sticks and damn Yankees. And, That's right. For a couple of reasons, damn Yankees, of course, was the super group. That took uh, uh, one part sticks and one part Night Ranger and sprinkled down a little seasoning of Ted Nugent and uh, had a, a couple of platinum selling albums. Now, Doug, uh, when we're all together for, for all of his, you know, Doug is often the quickest wit in the room, uh, no doubt. But you know what? He, he worked a little outside his comfort zone, I have to say, as long as I've known him that night. He, he, I think he thought he was going to get by with this and it was going to go unchecked, but n not if you do this in front of me. He claimed that Tommy Shaw was in Night Ranger. And I said, no, sir. No, he was not. My Tommy Shaw was you. never in Night Ranger. I then went on, Frank, if you recall, if you hadn't fallen asleep at that point, no. I went on to name all the members of Night Ranger, which did not include Tommy Shaw. And guys, Joby and, uh, Chad, and, was quite and, interested. and Chad, <laughs> back me up on this, unless you remember it differently, Doug was defiant. As I recall, he went out, smoked a cigarette, came back into the funhouse still crowing about how Tommy Shaw had somehow been in Night Ranger. And frankly, and I hated to do it because he's a longtime friend of mine, 
I had to embarrass him on his home turf. I had to uh, fact check him. It was it was well played, sir, because it needed to happen. I tuned out then. <laughs> All right, so the 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 hybrid league, the super group league, if you will, as uh, phone booth fighting comes together with the Doug Stanhope podcast for a hybrid uh, funeral home in the Celebrity Death Pool League. We're going to call it Damn Yankees. That's it, man. Yes, let's All do right. it. So if you want to play, go to Doug Stanhope Celebrity Search Damn Yankees under the funeral home search. And uh, just uh, it's it's two not two dollars and ninety nine cents to play. If you've played before, four dollars and ninety nine cents if you haven't. But this one is going to have fabulous prizes on the line as we ran down uh, earlier for you. So that's going to make it ultra competitive. And if you're already in the phone booth fighting league, you can play in this one too uh, if you want to. Well, this will be fun. And what we're going to do is we'll have the boys on uh, once a month, usually a few days before trade rounds. And uh, we'll give everybody a few few pointers, a little bit of advice, right? Perfect. Yes, I love it. I love it. And, and uh, we'll have uh, more stats of this upcoming trade round for next time we come on. Like, oh, this is who everyone traded in and out last time. So All right. it'll be better and better. I like it. Well, let, let us let you get back to your Invicta Fighting Championship there, your Invicta party. And uh, we'll, we'll check in with you next month. All right, guys? Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us, guys. Yeah. Everybody check out the Doug Stanhope podcast. If you're already listening, you know Joby and uh, Chad Shank. They were our guests. Thanks for being on with us. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. So uh, if the camaraderie, Frank, between ourselves and uh, Joby and Chad Shank was any indication of uh, the good time that we had. But there's a picture up here on the big screen of... Uh, uh, the five of us inside the funhouse. First of all, you know, now I told you, Frank, I, I got to tell now I'm going to, now I'm going to be totally truthful. Okay. I'm going to pull back the curtain because I knew I was going to be introducing you to one of my most colorful friends in Doug Stanhope. At the same time, uh, Doug is a, is a hard partier yes. and you're in training camp. And yes. so in the back of my mind, I was a little concerned about mixing those two getting you around a guy who literally does have a full, fully functioning, full-sized bar at his home well, that never closes. Luckily, alcohol's not my Achilles heel. Yeah. Well, I knew I'd be able to keep an eye on you. Yeah. So uh, it all, but you were, you know what? you The you, food is my issue. Yeah. yeah. But you, and, and they made some great food for yeah, you. And you had them all grilled food for us. You set it up. Now, if you had showed up and it was like a lasagna, yes. spaghetti carb fest. Yes. You might have lost me, buddy. <laughs> well, and I, I told them ahead of time. I said, the big guy's in training, so uh, we need to keep it healthy. So they, they kept it pretty light. Yeah, a lot of vegetables, a yep. lot of meat. It was good. Well, yeah, and you were you were good in your training camp, so yes. so no worries there. Now, here's a picture of us. Uh, there's uh, you, Joby, me. Doug Stanhope right there. Oh, that's the my plate with the onions that are left. That I, yeah, right. I didn't realize it because I ate so many fried onions in a row. Not yeah. fried, but you know, like grilled. Yeah. I was starting to get like my eyes were running and stuff. Yeah. So Doug and I have been friends for God, well over 10 years, probably at this point, maybe going on 15. And Doug, about 10 years ago, he was living in L.A., co-hosted the man show with uh, Joe Rogan and its final couple of seasons. And, and uh, I, Doug told me about 10 years ago, 
that's it. I've had it with L.A. All my work's on the road anyway because I'm on the road doing stand-up comedy. I don't need to live in L.A. I'm going to move down on the Mexican border and live in Bisbee, Arizona. And I thought that was the craziest idea I'd ever heard of. Now, he moves down there. He buys a property. He uh, uh, not only does the house have his actual house on it, it's got a guest house, and then it's got what he calls the fun house, which is this thing we're in right here in this picture. You can go ahead and keep it big. Um on uh, uh, on his property, which is just a bar with a bunch of big TVs and stuff for him to watch sports. It's even got a little stage in it for uh, him to have stand-up comedians come through and, and do time. So just give me your overall first impressions of the whole scene. Uh, it was unique. Yeah. Uh, definitely, I think, a word to describe it. I don't ever been in any other place that kind of had that feel. Um, it was extremely interesting and just colorful. I mean, I looked around the wall, you just... There was things that were put up for, you know, I don't like things that are offensive just for the sake of being offensive, but I like things that are offensive in a thought-provoking way. Right. And, uh, you know, and his, the whole uh, co- uh, collaboration of everything around was just kind of, uh, you know, brought up conversation. It'd, it'd bring up like, hey, so do you see that sign there? That was actually real, and that happened back in the day. You're like, wow, all right. Huh. Conversation starters. His house is sort of like, it's like Pee Wee's Playhouse for adult degenerates, kind of. But it has that look (laughs) and feel to it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this is there in the fun house where we take the SWAT cast. And like I said, that'll be coming out in the next week or so. Epic episode. You do not want to miss this. So be watching for the phone booth fighting Doug Stanhope uh, SWAT cast. By the way, Doug coined the term SWAT cast. He came I heard up you guys with that. talking about that. Yep. Yeah. It was his initial idea for a uh, uh, popular podcast to combine for uh, crossover episodes, much like they do that in comics. You're an old comic book guy. Wouldn't they have deals yeah, like that where Wolverine would show up helping out Spider-Man or something like yeah, that? Or absolutely. Yeah, that sort of thing. Um, all right, so let's just take a little uh, photographic trip through... Uh, or a couple of days there in Bisbee, which we said an old mining town founded in 1880. And uh, not a lot has changed in that town, other than the fact that all the artists moved in, uh, you said, Frank, which is true. Basically, when, when the mines left... we got to describe Oh, we're getting to that. Uh, when the mines left in the early 70s, uh, a bunch of artists moved in. We learned on our tour, you and I took a golf cart tour yes. around Bisbee with our ladies... And uh, we learned that when the mines left in 1974, after basically being the, the entire economy for that 100-year period, that the average price of a home in Bisbee fell below $5,000. <laughs> you could own a home in the mid-'70s in Bisbee for less than $5,000. So a bunch of artists moved in, a bunch of hippies, and it became an artist community that it still is today. Now, Doug has his compound there in Bisbee, and he's also uh, procured a couple other houses in the surrounding area. Now, one of those houses is inhabited part-time by Morgan Murphy, who is a stand-up comedian in her own right. She's also a comedy writer. She's probably better known as a comedy writer. She writes for Jimmy Kimmel. She also writes for uh, the new Roseanne uh, uh, revival uh, series. And she has that house there, but she's in L.A. writing on those shows. And so she offered uh, her place to us. It was nice. And, uh, yep, it was very nice of her. And Doug, That's how we repaid her. <laughs> yeah, Doug took me aside, and he said, will you please take some inappropriate photos and tag at 
Morgan underscore Murphy on Twitter. So this image right here, <laughs> Frank, is uh, that's you and me uh, on Morgan's bed, and we pulled a bunch of bottles from her bar. We got those scattered around. Uh, you got a big carton of goldfish crackers. I'm uh, snacking on Tide Pods from her laundry room. And what are you doing there with the wash rag? I'm blowing my nose in her washcloth. Yeah, which is which is a nightmare. It's the kind of thing you worry about every house guest doing that you don't know they're doing. And yet we just created photographic evidence of it. So uh, thanks to Morgan Murphy for letting us uh, stay at her place. Very funny lady. Uh, all right. Now, uh, let's see what else we got here, uh, Mikey. Show a couple of the pictures of uh, Frank and I going around town. It was, like, not only the it was an old mining town, but, like, every they really had a reverence for their history. Like, it felt like you had stepped back into at least the 1950s oh, in a large part yeah. of it, right? I don't think I've seen that many old cars in a spot. Yeah, here we are in front of uh, the Lowell Police Department. And Lowell, by the way, is just like this one-street town that's right next to Bisbee. And uh, they had this old police car and an old uh, police station. And speaking of police stations, in Bisbee, we learned on our golf tour, our golf cart tour, they have the old jail, yep. which dates back to the, the 19th century, that is no longer used that you can now rent Right. And it, it, the entire jail you can stay in as a bed and breakfast, basically. Where the mirrors plan on staying on our next vacation. Yes, right? yes. And where it was previously occupied by John Wayne and yeah. who was the other actor? Lee Marvin. Lee Marvin. That's where they would stay. Yeah, John Wayne had friends in Bisbee, and uh, they would stay there. And you know what's interesting about that? So John Wayne was kind of the the celebrity vacationer in, in Bisbee back in his time. And Doug, you know, I don't know how much we really talked about. Doug low-keys all this stuff. He doesn't uh, advertise it. But Doug is uh, a very good friend of Johnny Depp's. And so Johnny Depp has visited Bisbee. And uh, when he has stayed there, he stayed in uh, some of the old uh, mining hotels, which which are also available. All right, let's keep going here. Oh, there's the, uh, the happy foursome there, the uh, two couples. But this makes me feel very mature, by the way, when I do this. Like, this is the kind of thing that I remember, like, my grandparents having pictures of. Like, the two of them and their their couple's friend, you yeah. know, traveling somewhere together. So there's uh, the mirrors and the hunters there. Uh, and that's a, an aerial view. Go back yeah, big You see how that, cool Mikey. the town is built over into the mountains and stuff. Yeah. This was, I mean, this town right now has 5,000 residents. At one time, it had 30,000 residents. At, during the, the mining boom, it was the biggest, or rather the most populated town between St. Louis and San Francisco, which is amazing to hear, especially now when you see it small as it is. But it's all the houses are built up, like you said, on this. They're almost kind of one on top of the other on the, the mountains. You know what it kind of reminded me of a little hmm. bit? Like a favela. Like Brazil, yeah. Yeah, I, was yeah. Kinda, I mean, obviously... <laughs> properly built homes. right right uh but that kind of you know being built into the hill like that yeah yeah very cool and and i was asking the guy on our golf cart tour you know like what what's the most recent building built in this town you know give or take uh uh and he he basically said probably around the 50s like i mean there might have been one or two other things built since then but for the most part not much built since then and you know what else you didn't see 
No fast food places. No. You didn't see that. You didn't even see grocery stores. Apparently, they got a Safeway around there somewhere, but we never saw it. Like, yeah. even and it was the, cool because you see some of the refurbished houses yeah. that do, are kept up, you know, and they're nice. They're not, mm-hmm. they're not dilapidated by any, you know, yeah. means. But, but in between, then you would see a house that probably hasn't had anybody in it for 100 years. Yeah. You know, you look back like, oh, wow, that's like an old time. Like, you could shoot a movie in here, an old Western with Clint Eastwood going mm-hmm. on, and it would fit the profile. Yeah, for sure. What else we got there, Mikey? All right. Now, uh, what else are you going to pull up there? Pull up the uh, pink house next. Oh, yeah. Now here, Okay, so, so this right here is an example. If you're watching on our Phone Booth Fighting YouTube channel, you're seeing all these. This street right here in... Uh, we had a really good breakfast just yep. to the left a little bit. Yep, we had a great breakfast spot there. But that old truck, you know, is from the 50s. There's a station wagon behind it that's probably fifty-something, yeah, and it's the old the, the facade of the store itself is like the old five and dime. Uh, to the left of it, there's a hat store that it actually has the uh, uh, on the sign. It says "Latest Fashions from New York and Paris." Like it was like stepping back onto the movie set of something. Uh, I was standing there trying to search through the karate do place. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. They uh, they had some sort of uh, I don't know how thriving the martial arts scene was there, but they had they had, had MMA typed on the it. side though. Yes, we train MMA too. I'm like ah, so does everybody else. Huh? Yeah, there was nobody training in there. Okay, no. all right. Now this is oh, we got to explain this. This is this is <laughs> the greatness of of being Doug Stanhope. Doug is a guy who you know will commit. To a joke, it he'll actually invest real serious money into committing to a joke. Now he's got a friend who's purchased a house down there in Bisbee. Apparently, right somebody around the corner from him. Yep, because when we pulled away from his house, we ran right into it. Yeah, yeah, it was just one block over, and uh, a guy that another comedian that's basically, I guess, was bitten by the same Bisbee bug that you and I were. So the guy bought the house, but he hasn't moved down there yet, and so Doug had his resident contractor go over and paint the guy's house entirely in pink camouflage the front the roof the porch the steps the front door and he even put a big red bow on the column there i didn't see that till now yeah and he's just waiting for the guy to show up which he was pissed off about because he's about three weeks late he's like, i'm yeah. waiting for the payoff <laughs> yeah so when this guy finally moves down to bisbee he's gonna pull up to this house that he bought except the problem is now it is entirely uh pink camouflage and then doug's gonna have to uh, i guess have the same guy probably restore no, it back to the way it was it. you think he's just gonna leave it if he's a friend of stanhope yeah i'm sure he will He's probably used to uh, putting up with a fair amount of shit. I tell you what, it, it t- lets you know how lax the uh, uh, codes are in Bisbee. Yeah. That this no is H-O-H. not H-O-H. a problem. Yeah, yeah. The ho- there, there's no homeowners association to get upset about the pink camouflage. All right, now this was ba- this basically catches us up to the point where you had to leave because you got training camp going on. You, you could really only stay gone for 24 hours or so. Jennifer and I stayed an extra day, and. I tell you what, I as good of a time as we had, <coughs> I felt so guilty for experiencing the next day without you because we stayed at a place called the Shady Dell. And Doug had been telling me about this place. He actually talks about it on his podcast. 
But the Shady Dell there in Bisbee, Arizona, is a trailer park. But it is a collection of fully restored, authentic 1950s trailers. So like the old Airstreams and Shastas and Cantam trailers. They're all on this uh, immaculately kept trailer park plot. It's called the Shady Dell. I'm actually wearing my Shady Dell t-shirt right now. So let's look through these photos. Now, uh, this, for example, they, they have probably a dozen, maybe more trailers. You can see all these at the shadydell.com too, I think is their website. This is a, a bus, like an old 50s Greyhound bus, but it's been done entirely tiki. Tiki's a big scene, uh, if you don't know the tiki bars. And so you, you go in this thing, and it's entirely decked out tiki style. Now, Jennifer and I stayed on a 1959 yacht called the Rita D., and uh, go ahead, Mikey. Let's get a shot of that up there. This yacht, of course, now on land, but it was fully restored. It had this whole deck around it. And, uh, okay, here's the outside of it. Check this out. All right, so that's what it looked like. We had that entire yacht to ourselves. I uh, told uh, Jennifer we were going to be living out our uh, uh, Natalie Wood, Robert Wagner fantasy that night. We had Doug come over to play the role of Christopher Walken. You didn't throw her overboard, did you? No, no, cause, but only because, you know, it was like a five-foot drop. Um, but uh, she <laughs> showed, pissed her off. <laughs> yeah. Shows, exactly. <laughs> shows some of the interiors, Mikey, of the uh, ship itself. Uh I have an idea, by the way, Frank, for this uh, for this uh, uh, trailer park. Okay, this is the inside of the ship. So you see the it's complete wood paneling. It's got like the old yeah, yeah. ship wheel there. Uh, it's the dining area, yeah, the bedroom. Yeah, just keep going through all the photos, uh, uh, and I'll uh, I'll talk about it here, Mikey. Um, I don't know how much justice we're going to do this on audio, but it'll give you a general idea. But as we're talking, first of all... I always forget we have the auto companion now. Yeah, I know. I keep thinking our show completely is on YouTube. Yeah, right, right. No, this is a good reason to watch the YouTube uh, video. Okay, now here's me steering the boat. All right. See, now I'm wearing my captain's hat. Yeah. Was... They, even, they have captain's hats for you to put on. Yeah. Uh, first of all, just preliminarily, how interested would you be at staying at this place? Oh, super. Yeah. Well, there's... Three places I want to stay at when we go to Bisbee. Yeah. This would be one of them. Yep. Uh, that haunted, the most haunted mansion in, or hotel. Oh, yes, the Oliver House. Right. Yeah. And then my number one, honestly, is the jailhouse. Yeah. Yeah. All three of those are interesting. And that Oliver Manor, that's an Airbnb, too, where they had like, uh, it was like two dozen murders. Basically, yeah. especially, it was mostly like back during the mining days when, you know, people well, we killed each other. Over, didn't have yeah. any women around, and then the few women they had were for sale. A lot of tension. A lot of tension. A lot of tension. Just keep Not going. alcohol. Always yeah. a good idea. Just keep going through these <laughs> as we talk, Mikey. So here's here was my idea for, uh, for the Shady Dell. And I'm springing this on you, Frank. But, you know, you and I have talked about this idea of having listeners – like us doing some sort of camp out or something. Yeah. We, I think we, I mean, Bisbee, Arizona is a remote location, but it's 90 minutes from Tucson. That's where you fly into. I think we might have enough listeners to come up with 12 people or groups of people, give or take, that would rent one of these 
classic old trailers at the Shady Dell. What if we just took over? Just keep going, Mikey. What if we took over I'm the in. Shady Dell, like for a weekend? That's the uh, yeah. We got to f- book it out over a time where it's a weekend where all the rooms are vacant and we could just make completely make it a phone booth fighting takeover. Yeah, like a phone booth fighting takeover fantasy camp. If you look, and they also have like, uh, pull up the uh, out, little outdoor movie screen there if you see that one, uh, Mikey. They have they also had like a uh, 1950s diner car uh, that served food. They had a movie screen out there for like outdoor movies. It was like a drive-in movie theater where they had the old uh, little talk boxes, you know, where you could hear the uh, audio from the uh, from the movie. It was uh, it was really something. So as soon as I saw that, and we we spent the oh, they even had their get this, Frank. They even had their own radio station. Oh, so shit. yeah, so all the old timey radios in there are tuned to this radio station that's playing like these old songs from the 50s and stuff. You could totally disconnect. Like you could totally, there's the diner car right there. You could totally just feel like you were back in the 1950s with the the music. And Look even at that. That's Isn't that cool? cool? Uh, that, yeah. That's right. So that's right next to the movie theater, which is making like all the the malts and the burgers and you know all the hot dogs, all the uh, the old fifty style food in the diner. And they even had like even the trailers that had um, uh, that had a television in it. It was an old timey television, like the old timey black and white TVs and stuff. I mean, the attention to detail in this place was incredible and the uh, honestly that type of stuff is probably damn near irreplaceable in terms of the old you know electronics they had in there and everything like that you have the uh, outdoor theater there uh mike yeah anyway but uh, yeah so it's called the shady dell and uh it's like practically next door to doug was the other thing too so i figure if we time it right where you know we get some listeners to join us down there, we camp out for a few days. There's plenty of like common area for us to all hang out, do a campfire, or cookout, or something like that. We time it when Doug's off the road. We get his crew involved, and uh, we could have us a good time down there in Bisbee. I'm glad we discovered that together. There's the outside of the uh, dining car. I haven't seen the uh, movie theater yet. Hold on. Yeah, you'd be in on that, Frank. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that'd be a lot of fun. I think our listeners would dig it too. Let us know what you think. I'll tell you what. Hit us up if uh, you go to uh, the Shady Dells website or you're watching our Phone Booth Fighting YouTube uh, channel and you're seeing these pictures. Uh, let us know if I hear from more than just a few of you that uh, might be willing to to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's you know it's basically the trailers are like the price of a decent hotel. It's not expensive. So the most pri- the priciest part of it would probably be airfare if you're not already in the southern Arizona area. Yeah, southwest. We drove there. I mean, you you guys flew. We drove because we we're going to stay an extra day. It wasn't that bad? Yeah, eight hours. My time. I would have put in a cool drive for all of us to do. And actually, next time if I don't, I'm not training for a right. flight. Right. It'd be nice to go for the ride. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, very good. Uh, oh, I did want to. Uh, we need to. Uh, give a couple of uh, shout-outs because, believe it or not, Frank, this is a testament to uh, the growth of the podcast. Uh, first of all, um, we had uh, Ray, the barista at the Bisbee Coffee Company, is a listener to our podcast. The guy you took the photo oh, with, yeah. he's a listener to our podcast. Then, uh, 
Doug took us out to eat. Um, he was hella cool. I yeah, him. nice guy. Uh, Doug took us uh, out to eat uh, the night after you left. I guess he wanted to wait until you left to lower bill on yeah. the you know the food. I wouldn't want to pay to feed me if I could. Get <laughs> but the waiter uh, was a guy named Darren. Uh, he listened to our podcast as well. So we already had a couple of uh, listeners in uh, Bisbee, which was very cool. So a couple of uh, shout-outs to, to them. Seriously. Yep, we will go back very soon. All right, let's uh, close this episode out, Frank, with a uh, report uh, courtesy of you from uh, yesterday at the North American Grappling Association tournament because there was a mirror in there, and they were uh, racking up first-place finishes Left and right. But here's the twist. It wasn't the mirror most people know. No. It was the next generation. That'll change soon. The next generation of mirror. Tell everybody what happened. No, Isabella, my daughter, uh, she did very well. She went out there and competed, and uh, she did the Nogi competition first. So, uh, you know, uh, Manny, one of her coaches there at, uh, at Drysdale, was able to help their corner. I was there. Uh, James Horn was behind me. Mm-hmm. And then we had uh, Aaron was there. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> she had uh, four black belts in her corner <laughs> screaming and yelling. Now, we're looking at a little bit of video. This is from the Gi competition. Yeah, nice toss. Nice toss from Bella. And that's the girl she fought for the first place also for uh, in the no-gi. Okay. Um, I can't think of the young lady's name right now, but she was tough. Yeah. In fact, actually, Bella, she beat the first girl with a takedown and top control, but in the no-gi match, this lady had us nervous. Bella went for a slide-by and then shot a double, and the girl hit her with a front headlock, a guillotine, snapped mm. her down, and then took her back. Well, then Bella... Paused for a second, and the girl threw her hooks in and st- or started to and threw in a choke. Bella was able to drag her down, but then it was three zero against us. Mm-hmm. We were down by three points with about a minute and a half left. Bella was able to pass the guard to tie it up. The girl put her back in half guard. Bella was able to rip through it one more time to go for the win. But and even here, the, uh, the that throw was with about 40 seconds left, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I mean, we were 0-0, and they were struggling, and the girl was going for foot sweeps. At that point, Bella was able to do a snap down. You can see she off-balanced her enough, pulled her with her left arm, the girl's right lapel over, dug the hip in there for the throw, and uh, scored four with the, uh, the mount. And here you could hear me just doing my codes for, like, let's not go for nothing crazy. Mm hmm and that's me, expl- coaches back and forth, explaining to a <laughs> video of this, by the way, on uh, Frank's Instagram, if you're not watching on YouTube. It's really impressive to watch because um, she, you know, it's uh, she, she's obviously very, very dedicated to it. And I know she's she's athletic anyway, so that part of it is Dedicated is yeah. a new word. Yeah. I thought I was very enamored, and I love martial arts, but... Uh, Not going to practice was never the end of the world for me. Right, I right. enjoy going to practice, and I like being there and training. But, you know, if you get me to train five days in a row, taking a day off isn't always the worst idea. You know, or I'll mm-hmm. take a session off here and there. Like, ah, I can use, you know. Um, Isabella, like, I really have to tell her, like, you know, hey, baby, you're injured, you're hurt, you have a stinger. There's all these times where, and she looks at me like I'm telling her that we're not having Christmas this year. Right, you know, right, it's like. Yeah. I'm like, Isabella, you're injured. 
please, mm-hmm. would you listen to your father? You're you're still 14 years of old. We don't need to have chronic injuries already, you know. And so I have to pull the chain on her all the time. Be like, nope, you're not going to the gym today. You're not training. You're you know, look at your arm, look at your hand. You know, you can't even walk up the steps. You know, your back is off. You know, and I'm like, we'll go to therapy. We'll go do stretching. We'll do something else. I mean, I'll, I'll give you something else to do, but you're not gonna you're not gonna compete today. Mm-hmm. And uh, it kills her. And I, I don't think I've ever seen that in another human being where it's like, even if I'm hurt, you taking away training is a punishment. I'm like, Jesus, All right. yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, it's, and just, you know, from from the, the, the very, you know, right at the point where she just started training jujitsu, I could already tell, you know, how dedicated she was, even just in, like, you know, uh, where you're coaching her through things, because, you know, there, there were a couple times where you would, you know, work her through some technique or something, and you had her sort of demonstrate against me while you were coaching, you know, I'm a smaller guy, uh, than you, uh, most people are, but it it was funny because there were these moments where I was like, you know, the, even just the way she would latch on when you would tell her to do things, you know, even just to sort of simulate a technique. The thought I had was it was kind of, it I the it reminded me of like when you see uh, at the zoo, like when they have the the new uh, tiger cub or something, you know, you can kind of feed it with the bottle right now, but you know, in another year or so, the thing's gonna maul you, like it kind of had that feel to it. You know, I was like, man, I can already tell just in like the strength of grip and like yeah. the attention to focus and every little movement is very, very impressive. Yeah. This is exciting. I uh, mean, this is, you know, it's, well, she's found something that she loves. Yes. And obviously like one thing I have to always, you're uh, you know, um, talk to her about is that there are other things in life sometimes we have to do and pay attention to that Mm -hmm. we don't necessarily love and so she's a straight-a student she's extremely focused at a private school it's very hard curriculum and and i know that going to school is not the most fun thing in the world but she takes care of those things and i think as a parent you have to teach your children to do things that they're not always going to enjoy but because they're necessary uh, importance but i think that anytime you can find what you're passionate in and be blessed enough to be also good at it that's really what we should be doing is finding what your child is passionate about and driving them in that direction and go, okay, how can I provide you with the tools and instruction to have you to be most successful as possible at what you do? Because you're never going to excel at something you don't like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I mean, you could do shit for money all day long and maybe that can make you happy and you can wait for your days off. But, you know, Bella has the opportunity to actually make a living doing something she loves so I'm going to give her all the opportunities to do so. N- not at the, you know, she knows that she has to, obviously there's requirements, you know, e- even with college, you know, uh, um, she has to have a degree, you know, she has to go to four years. I want her to have that exposure and that thought process and, and be in there mm-hmm. uh, and have something to fall back on if, you know, the stars don't line up correctly, which can happen to any professional athlete. But um, she found something she loves. She's driven. She has a reason to get up in the morning. In fact, I have to shut the door half the time to the gym to be like, look, today's can we rest? Yeah. Yeah, well, it was fun, and it's a big family affair. And yeah. All the kids, the, the siblings are out there and, and friends. And, of course, I just sat in the bleachers bitter, uh, recalling my own uh, neglected childhood. And, yeah, and uh, we all go eat as a family afterwards. Yeah, yeah, there was that. Yeah, went along to that. I always I take any opportunity I can to pull the mere kids aside and scare them straight when I tell them, uh, you know that you could have ended up without this dad. Let me let me tell you about mine, and they always yeah. seem to appreciate it a little bit. <laughs> you actually more. got to be a part of a very candid conversation we had. No oh, boy, 
Boy, that uh, is the truth. Yeah. You, uh, I guess to put it quickly and shortly, yeah. we had that conversation where basically Bella had some birds and the bee type questions. Right. And, uh, you know, and my children and my wife, it shocked Jen when she first met me. But I don't believe in lying to people. I make mm-hmm. answers very age appropriate. But if uh, you know, my kids know from day one that babies don't come from storks, you know, yeah. I mean? like you know, they ask a question, I'm always going to be the uh, uh, a point of reference and authority for them to you know give them the right information. Because look, when parents shy away from that shit, my problem they like I don't want to talk to little Johnny about sex. I'm like, yeah, but you know who Johnny's going to talk to? Mm-hmm. Fucking Ricky over there. Yeah. No shit either. You know what I mean? Right. And, like, and now well, those two dumbasses are fucking informing and, each other. And not only do those kids a lot of times not know the truth, a lot of times they have the misinformation. And so you're competing with the misinformation because a yeah. lot of times they're going to uh, tell them the wrong way about the. I, I applaud that. I think that's very smart because no one ever really got. It got led astray with too much information. It's yeah. always too little that gets people yeah, uh, that in trouble. The just enough to get you in trouble. Sure, right? sure. It is. Uh, it is uh, Im- impressive to watch. Although funny at. Uh, at yeah, that was kind of awkward. <laughs> I don't want to embarrass <laughs> yeah. my daughter. But some of the things I have to answer, like I'm looking at her, like, going, all right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I just remember figuring a lot of that out on my own. <laughs> Me too, man. Yeah. I didn't even error. have the internet then. <laughs> At least now, sometimes there's some questions I'm sure I'm going to get. I'm like, look, dude, you don't know how to Google? I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, uh, that's going to do it for this episode of Phone Booth Fighting. It was a good one. We covered a lot of ground, uh, both uh, inside the world of mixed martial arts and out. Thanks to uh, this Doug Stanhope Celebrity Death Pool guys, uh, Joby and Chad Shank, for joining us earlier. Mikey doing a great job producing. Frank, tell everybody about that Amazon banner on the front of our website, phoneboothfighting.com. What do you do with it? Yeah, I've even been using it. Good, Did you know good. That? No, I didn't I mean, know that. Do you use it, too? I you, do use yeah. it. Yeah. I actually went to use it because I bought Mrs. Mir uh, her uh, Valentine's Day gifts. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Was it Ruby Carr, the poet? Uh-huh. I bought her two of her books, the poet. Oh, well, look at you. Wow. That's smooth. Going yeah. with the poetry. You know what? Because normally I'm not a poetry type of guy. Yeah. But this poet actually like has some pretty deep shit where I was sitting there looking at it and, and thoughtful, you know, mm-hmm. on a level that made me think. And, and I'm not really a... A lovey-dovey kind of guy, to be honest with you. you know? Well, that's not what I hear. Yeah, but Mrs. Yeah. Mir tells me you have a soft side. <laughs> I worry she's going to stab it one day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, you go ahead and click on the banner like we've all done here. Mm-hmm. And by, it takes you right to the Amazon site. You do all your shopping for your wants and needs. And a very small portion goes back to here to us at the show to help out. All right, and uh, tell everybody how to follow us on social media. Well, hey, on Facebook and Instagram, we're on we're as Phone Booth Fighting. Mm-hmm. If you uh, do Snapchat, which I feel bad for you if you do, because we probably hardly ever update that. We thing. need to work on Snapchat. <laughs> yeah, so we suck at Snapchat yeah. and uh, Twitter. Uh, we're at Phone Booth Fight. That's right. If you did uh, already follow us, though, throughout the weekend, then you were seeing all of our uh, 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 postings about our adventures in uh, Bisbee. So that's a great way to uh, follow us and get the inside track. Uh, also, if you're going to do one thing and one thing only to support us, it's uh, tell a friend. Tell a friend about the podcast. Uh, that's how we grow it one listener at a time. That's how we run into 
people in remote places like Bisbee, Arizona, who come up to us and uh, say, hey, uh, awesome uh, podcast, and uh, we appreciate that. Guys like Ray and Darren that I mentioned a little while ago, uh, please tell a friend. Uh, and uh, if you find us on iTunes, uh, click on the five stars. That helps us stay uh, near the top of the ratings. And if you have an extra moment, write a favorable line or two in the review section. We like to read those on the air. All right. Uh, for Frank Muir, I'm Richard Hunter, and we'll see you right back here next time on Phone Booth Fighting.